0: free movie podcast for The Martian. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Munarski.
1: I would ask you to call me the podcaster (laughs) Greybeard.
0: With our The Martian tagline, Kelly Wand.
2: It's like castaway, but with a dumb ending.
0: Kelly Wand, are there other taglines that you feel the most qualifies for?
2: Can
1: you hold your breath while you're saying
2: them? <coughs> we talk about it. Why would I want to hold my breath? Oh, yeah, because I'm in space. Uh, finally, a movie that taps into my fears of NASA.
0: And is there, sometimes these things travel in threes, Kelly Wand. Is there a third tagline?
2: The movie version's my least favorite, Martian.
0: Oh, very good. I like
2: that Oh, one. Okay, I get it.
0: Kelly Wan, let's play a game where you read an IMDb movie synopsis, and me and Dingus try to guess, who, see who can <clears throat> guess first what the movie is.
2: In 2020, a crew of astronauts has been prepared for a two-year international mission in Mars.
0: Uh, 2010. Oh, no, whoops. That makes no sense. Wow. Gosh. Yes. I, I would like to retract my guess on the basis that I did oh. math incorrectly.
2: He said it so cockily, too. 2010. I was listening.
0: Uh, Red Planet.
2: Jim McConnell, Woody Blake, and his Ghosts. wife Terry Fisher. Ghosts.
0: Ghosts of Mars.
2: Luke Graham and Phil Olmeyer are best friends, and Jim lost his chance to land in Mars when his beloved wife Maggie McConnell mission died.
0: To Mars. Mission to Mars. Brian De Palma's Mission to Mars.
2: The team of four astronauts land in Mars, but a mysterious <laughs> storm kills three of them, and only Luke survives. I thought there was like nine of them. A rescue team with Woody in command and Jim, Terry, and Phil heads to the Red Planet and discovers that only Luke has survived. Again. Toy, Toy Story and Mars. Their further investigation shows that the storm that killed the three other astronauts was artificial and created to protect a face that lies on Mars.
0: Oh, my God. What, what movie is this? I have to see it. Go on.
2: What might be the intriguing face? <laughs> no, it's Mission to Mars.
0: Oh, I see? Want, I, I got it. Okay. Yeah. No, twenty two. No. So wait, no. That's, shut up. That's what I, I was doing. The metric system. You were using the imperial measurements. See that? Oh, you that's, have
2: you Fit right in here. Yeah.
0: Uh, I have not seen Mission to Mars, but I didn't realize that the big reveal what? was that the, the it was the face of, on Mars that that was the the conspiracy.
2: Uh, yeah, it's quite a reveal. Right. It's it's well, another one where they leave a black dude behind, like Interstellar, and he has to he has to like figure shit out his own. They're like, hey, what's up, man? Like, Is there a time dilation gimmick? No, they're just bored. Okay. Is that that the is one
0: a Kilmer? No, that's Red Planet.
2: That's Red Planet. What's the
0: little robot's that. name in Red Planet? Amy? Is it Amy?
2: So that's the name of the girl in Congo, which I always think of when I think of that robot.
0: But is the robot that, named Amy, that little spider robot that.
2: It's named uh, Stinky, I think, because no, it has a sticky st- arm.
0: No, it's like Amy, st- and it stands for something like uh, American Mars
2: robot, yeah. cybernetics yeah. evil, evil. Red Planet Robot's name. Amy. <laughs> hey, hey. It is Amy. See? I, see? We're right yeah. to think of that. Yeah. Or I am. Or you were. You were the one who said it. We
0: know You're what's, right. Speaking it, of, of expeditions to Mars, Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners what movie we saw this week?
2: Well, this week
1: we saw The Martian, mm-hmm. a 2015 American science fiction drama adventure movie about the many ways you can avoid saying the F word. Yeah, it was directed by Ridley Scott and written by Drew Goddard. Oh my! Oh. Based on the book <laughs> *The Martian* by Andy Weir. Huh. Like Stars <coughs> Matt Damon, Ooh. Jessica Chastain, Chiwetel Ogiophor. That's not even how you say it, is it, Tom? How do you say it? I think it's just Chiwetel Geophor. Like I don't I know. Like, that, I, I don't love don't the way f- you say it.
0: Yeah, I don't think you have to put any special spin on it. You just say the letters. I think if you
2: can get the letters out, you've done enough. Yeah, uh, that's how I always feel about things. Fuck
1: numbers. Um,
0: By the way, real quick, it always helps too, and I've been trying to get you, Jokers, on board with this. It helps if you've seen Z for Zachariah.
2: Hmm. Just so you didn't right. tell me that.
1: Oh, that's the first
2: time you've said that ever.
1: Really?
0: Kelly Ward, you should see Z for Zachariah.
1: That's Before the, the, the part, last. Though. The last Sue Grafton novel, right? <laughs>
0: So you would have to put up with Kelly Wand.
2: That's a funny joke. He's funny. He's a clown to me. (laughs) I
1: amuse you. All right. Next, (laughs) also in the movie, is Michael Pina, because you don't have to do anything with the letters. Um, Benedict Wong, Jeff Daniels, and Brian Casp. Oh, yeah. The Martian is rated PG-13 for Some Strong Language. Yep. Oh. Injury Images.
2: Whoa. Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa. That's a new
0: one. That is awesome.
1: Wow.
2: I've never heard that before.
1: Injury Images. Wow. Injury.
2: Images, you do you look at a cartoon every three seconds. What?
1: Injury Images what? and Brief Nudity. Oh, yeah.
2: That's right. I've heard that since before movies. But, damn. Uh, Injury Images. Oh, that is a great one. Yeah. age we live in now.
0: Like, that yep. would make all uh, Roadrunner cartoons rated PG-13.
2: Which they are. They, they don't show them anymore because there's too many injury images. Nice.
1: And I'm guessing uh, First Blood would have injury images.
0: Well, that's rated R. I'm pretty sure First Blood. And that, that by the way, has a similar brief nudity. I believe we do see Stallone's butt.
2: Mm-hmm. So injuries are now off the table for kids. Just clarifying this rating system. No, no, you guys it's PG-13. Race. You can bring kids to it. It's just very images.
1: They're not actual imageries. <laughs> okay,
2: fair point. Thank you. There are uh, three holograms.
1: The Martian
0: opened at number one on its opening what? weekend. No big surprise there. It made $54 million. Uh, critically, on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, it's at 81. The percentage of those reviews that are positive, keep in mind this is, this is a different data point, the percentage of them that are positive, <gasps> 93%
2: that <sighs> point yeah
0: so the the martian doing very well we're recording uh a little bit beyond its opening weekend and it is holding strong um for instance joe wright's pan <clears throat> opened this weekend and did not unseat anything uh that came in at number seven um which i feel sad because joe wright did hannah which we all loved he does a peter pan origin movie he names it pan uh which is appropriate to the critical response it makes no money um and i, I feel bad for the guy
2: so people prefer when uh people fly using technology and uh, trickery like peter Pan does, does uh, he have to close his eyes or something
0: I, I haven't seen it why are you asking me you think i went and saw it I'm,
2: i thought you know the, the legend of peter pan because you're, you're into opera so much
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm not familiar with the peter pan opera who, who wrote that kelly wand
2: the Peter Pan opera? I believe it was Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> it was his uh, one bomb.
0: Kelly, so. speaking of, th- of things that are operatic, I would like you to give us a synopsis <laughs> of The Martian.
2: Hey, what would Matt Damon's character do with those critic numbers? Like, oh, the 90%, 83, okay, i got to put this in the thing with the bottle.
0: I, th- I think he would science the shit out of them. Isn't that, is, that the, is that the correct answer?
2: I guess that was a waste of time. I'm sorry. All right. What was your question?
0: Uh, (laughs) My my question was, would you give us a synopsis of the events that take place in The Martian?
2: Do you have any theories on what I would call it? Yeah, I do. All right. I'm going to tell you what it's called, then, since you have the theories.
0: right. Let's see if we can confirm my theory. Go.
2: The Marsha, 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 Marshopsis.
0: Exactly what I was thinking. I like that one, Kelly. Wend. You got a little <laughs> playful there. I'm, I'm expecting great things now.
2: Mm, you shouldn't.
1: Well, That's I'll what the, you, yeah.
2: yeah,
0: I'll be the judge of that.
2: Some words are all Soul Thursday. Then another word in caps is all Now. astronauts are on Mars and hammering flags with numbers on them into the dirt while the world watches them breathlessly on the Jumbotron in Times Square. Jessica Chastain's all, fuck, NASA forgot to pack Flag 28. We have to go back again. Matt Damon's all, don't worry, science is all about problem solving. He takes out a Sharpie and changes the numbers on all the flags to 28. A woman in a blue space that says Invisible Girl on it in a NASA bot above the number four sighs miserably and goes, why'd we bring a botanist to Mars again? Nothing grows here, we may as well have brought a fucking oceanographer. Or better yet, someone fun whose only topic of conversation isn't how lame our music choices are. Matt Damon's all, Hey everybody, the dirt over here is also granular. <laughs> everybody cringes. Male astronaut number four is all, Look everybody, Damon discovered dirt again. <laughs> I look over at the robot from Red Planet, Amy, and go, So far, that guy's my favorite casting choice. The Mexican astronaut points at Damon. (laughs) Jesus. Man, I haven't heard such idiotic dialogue spoken by alleged scientists since the 50% chicken shit geologist from Prometheus. What idiot directed that shit, huh? Damon's all. Hey, guys, guess you could say I'm the first stand-up comedian on Mars. (sighs) To, uh, To tell a dirty joke. Dirty. Dirt. Overhead phobos slogs past. Some words in a computer font are all the marshopsis. See, it's like a Bond movie opening, and then you get to the title later. A dust storm happens. Everybody except Damon runs for safety, except Damon. <laughs> 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 What'll I do for you, I think? Who points and goes, Look, guys, that manhole cover's coming right up my face! <laughs> a screen with Damon's name on it and the rocket ship's screen room begins blaring. Some red words below it are all, Warning, Damon's character, either dead or has paper clips stuck in his belly button. Period. Chastain's all, Okay, everybody, stick to established protocols. Hold on to this rope and wander around, trying to find him for a couple seconds. Behind them, their rocket ship teeters back and forth. Their Mexican pilot holds a throttle and goes, Uh, don't we have computers to do this part? What fucking year is this? Brunette astronaut number nine's all, Commander, this dust is annoying. Damon's voice croaks. Commander, I'm here. Your foot's crushing my... Chastain's all. Oh, well, we tried. Sorry, Affleck. All hands to the rocket ship thing. Soon! (laughs) (laughs) The good's buried deep sometimes. Mm -hmm. They get back on board, just as Damon staggers towards the rocket, going, Guys, wait, it's me! The rocket takes off, bathing him in flames. Some words are all better. Call soul. Damon wakes up coughing. It's daytime. His spacesuit's all. Warning! Face part of helmet issues detected. Error. Tape desired. Oxygen levels. Risk infection. Yes. He staggers through an airlock and into the space module that we egghead types call the Sprav. Takes the spacesuit off, superglues some circles on his abdomen, then uses an ice cream scoop to remove the paper clip from his belly button. He holds the paper clip up to the camera so we can appreciate how manly he is for not leaving it inside him. He's all dude. Look at that thing. Fucking took that out. To suture the wound, he staples it shut with fifty-three staples. That are bigger than the thing he took out. I look over at John Carter and go, Between this and the surgery scene in Prometheus, I'm pretty sure Ridley Scott watched human centipede two. His spacesuit's all warning, staples worse. He's all, ah, shut up, kicks it into the airlock. Never liked you. He turns on the wall computer and goes, uh, password is, fuck, can't remember. Oh, cool, I'm in. Damon stares at us, switches on the backwards numbers feature, and goes, uh, <clears throat> this is a video journal of my astronaut character, not just me, actor Matt Damon, staring into the camera, FYI. Uh, <clears throat> So my brap here has only X13 cubic milligrams of ammonium sulfate, so how you ask, am I going to get high? Fortunately, I'm a botanist. He raises a folder that says Chastain, Spaceship Commander. He's all, The odds are against me. Then he looks at us some more and goes, Looks like I'm going to have to fucking science the cock out of this stupid bullshit, ass dicks. There's a noise, and then Damon looks at us again. He's all, Well, I carry eight tons of dirt inside the Zav here one fistful at time took me three months, not including the times I locked myself out. Next, I got all the cruise shit out of the bags in the trash and dumped it all over everything. Finally, I added some potato slices. I was really just trying to make poison and end my misery, but doing all that actually gave me a crazy idea. If I survive all this and make it back to Earth, I want to die by having myself dropped on a bed of spikes from a helicopter at the Coliseum. Some words are all computer screen room, NASA, soul... Wilson Phillips stares at pictures of Damon's 10 on Mars, which no one else at NASA or on Earth has the least interest in. She scratches her head, clicks, enhance, squints, twists the notice-something knob, then walks into an office with Jeff Daniels in it. Some <laughs> subtitle words type out with electronic <laughs> keystroke noises. Jeff Daniels is the president of NASA in this. <laughs> Wilson Phillips is all, uh, sir, I think Matt Damon's alive. He's all, who? She's all, uh, the astronaut on Mars who zoned out during the dust storm. Oh, yeah, manhole cover guy. Boy, that video of it, him hitting the face. (laughs) God damn it. Boy, that video of it hitting him in the face fucking totally put us back on the map. Or as we call him here at NASA, the VRAP. She's all, yeah, well, he's less dead, sir, than all our billion-dollar high-powered instruments reported. I guess no mean I saw potato peels peeling up, piling up outside the tent. Peeling out. No, the other pot alongside a porn mag's marked used, and the garbage can with the nuclear warhead in it. What? We think he was trying to make a hot tub. Also, I found apparent rocks near Mars' south pole that at a certain angle and time of day and heavily photoshopped, look kind of like a butt. I sent conspiracy theorist. They're now calling it the butt on Mars. Too bad Sega didn't live to see this glorious dawn, huh, sir? Daniel is all, damn it! The press is going to eat me alive! I promised him Watney and he was dead! Ugh, that parade costs more than Apollo 18 and Capricorn 1 combined! Is there any way we can get the butt off of Mars in two pieces and here before my next press conference? Uh, yeah, we'd have to change the butt's name, though, if we brought it to Earth. I'll check with astrophysics. Some words are all podium room. Daniels is all, okay, people, seriously, no more questions about the butt. It's been fucking 10 hours. Going forward, Watney-related inquiries only. Please. Yes. Dingus. Yeah, all the cruise bags of poo. Why were those in the trash? Some words are all, (laughs) that's how Dingus sounds to me, by the way. Talks like that. Some words are all lol69. Damon stitches a bunch of boxes on the wall with numbers in them, then draws an X in the one that says Today. He's all. And checkmate. (sighs) Shit, that was a fun game. But in hindsight, I kind of wish I'd been keeping track of how long I've been here somehow. Oh, well, at least I have this cool wallpaper now, although I still kind of wish it was the Windows 7 logo. Guess this makes me the best interior decorator on Mars. He draws an exclamation point on the wall. As he makes the dot, his pen punctures a hole in the wall, blowing him 100 yards away and sucking all the air out of the fab. An airlock lands on top of him. His spacesuit begins blaring. Warning! Warning! Spacesuit detected! Audience interest levels at 11%. 8%. He's all, urgh! Puts tape over the alarm so he doesn't have to hear it anymore. Then he brushes himself off, goes back to the swab, and stares glumly at his devastated crops. He's all, oh, fuck. It's too bad potatoes can't be frozen. Then I'd be all right-a. i would be alright I look over at the tripod for more of the worlds and go, since Mars is so chilly, seems like you guys should have evolved the common cold. It foghorns, glumly. Some words are all daytime. <laughs> like that. Jeff Daniels finds a room with a black friend in it and goes, "Oh, Chai edge you for, how's manhole cover guy doing?" Uh, well, he drove to Pathfinder, said hexadecimals a bunch of times, and then stuck index cards with all the letters of the alphabet on him in a big circle around Pathfinder. Fortunately, he put all of the letters facing outwards so the camera can't see him. It's sort of slowing us down. Daniels is all fucking botanists. He <laughs> picks up a phone and goes, "Damn it, get me Jack Sue." He hangs up, turns on a computer screen with Jack Sue on it from Barney Miller. Tom, did you ever watch?
0: Uh, yeah. no, it's over my head, sorry. <sighs> really? I don't, Jack, Barney Miller? I don't know anything about Barney Miller.
2: What? Jack Sue. He was in the. He was in Return to Witch Mountain as a truant officer. Wow. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Can't help you. He's At like the Asian dude, Robert Mitchum face, but from the 70s. He's know, like old. I only know fish.
0: Yeah, I know, I know Lonnie Anderson from uh, Barney Miller. That's all I remember. <laughs> As God is my witness, I thought Lonnie Anderson was
2: on. All that. right, just... What? There's no girls on Barney Miller? you crazy? They even wrote out the wife. Anyway, Jeff Daniels hangs up, turns a computer screen on with Jack Sue on it. At least one listener will care. And goes, Chaiwetel or Wilson Phillips tells me you and your room full of high school kids are working on some type of new diode? or vibrator. Uh, well, guess what? We need you to make it a thousand times bigger, able to carry food and launchable at mars within two weeks. If you don't, Matt Damon dies. Good luck. Also, recording your quest for toilet paper, I ran up the flagpole, uh, literally, and said, uh, no, I'm afraid. The Asian guy's all, oh, uh, I think you have the wrong number. Daniel's all, damn it! I'm surrounded by idiots! tells all, yeah, guess that's how Damon must feel. <laughs> out of there. Cold. Burned out on fries. Dumb. Bland, blonde, glib, asexual. What if anything can a man like that be thinking right about now? Jk. Now, cut to Damon watching TV. He's all I don't get it. Why does it matter? just stay a man or a pigeon. That'd be wicked. Fucking statues. I look over at Bruno Mars and go. Is there a way to see a movie? <laughs> Uh, the more shops this continues. <clears throat> Some words are all Earth parentheses, near soul. Something takes off from a launch pad while a reporter's all and there goes the rocket NASA's column, the USS Decoy X Machina, a rocket ship filled with more potatoes for Matt Damon, along with over four million tons of human shit. Last night, as we all remember from the moving site on every major news network, the entire world population came together, joined hands, and contributed their waste products to help save the man who will be known throughout history for all time to come as manhole cover guy. It looks like for once NASA literally has its shit together and the launch is proceeding awesomely. A brown explosion fills the sky. Some words are all podium room near NASA cafeteria a couple minutes later. Jeff Daniels is all uh yeah uh, uh uh but what it's worth the butt's fine. Kristen Wiig walks on screen and goes, Actually, man, I'll cover hit and destroy the butt, too, just now. It's gone. Jeff Daniels is all, Fuck! Any questions? The reporter's all, Yeah, so in newsroom, you were the reporter? Another reporter's all, Follow up, uh, What happened with your stupid fucking launch? Daniels is all, uh, Well, we thought it'd be a fun surprise to microwave uh, Damon's food from using Earth's Atmosphere, but it turns out that blows up the rocket for some reason we're running some tests using uh, scantrons also due duty electromagnetic complexity of earth's gravitational field all the blown up food and liquefied human shit won't impact until now tang and brown ooze drenched the reporters from above splattering everyone present except for gallagher daniel's at all i guess this room doesn't have a ceiling a reporter's all Kristen wig you're in the martian she steps up to the mic again and goes, Yes, please think of me as the female version of Adam Scott's character in Black Mass. <laughs> Thank you, no more questions. She walks briskly away from the podium while flashbulbs pop and all the reporters go, uh. Some words are all H and NASA. Let's save red man by making slingshot out of white matter. <laughs> Dingus wants that.
1: <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. Really?
0: Dingus, you knew it was going to happen. What are you talking about? That man, Dingus. White matter. Dingus, it's Chinese NASA. I don't know what else you were expecting.
2: Dingus, it's in the movie. It's all in
1: subtitles. Can't he just do subtitles in a racist way?
0: Dingus, it's a podcast. No one will be able to see them. Exactly.
2: It's not racist. It's together to save white man. On Red World! <laughs> <laughs> you sing... White Ship! Hmm. And White Ship. still... <laughs> An Asian man is all. Hmm. We must tell no one except scientists of your complex declarations until Tuesday night at 10.04. She smiles understandingly, but at her own reflection. I look over at Kim Stanley Robinson and go, Women are famous because it's warm, huh? Some words are all, what a rocket ship. Michael Pena's wife's all, you're going to be 500 days late just to save who? The life of that asshole everyone on Earth cares about? I want a divorce. But the baby in her arms is all, does that mean new daddy will be coming by more? Some words are all, Mars, parentheses, planet. David sits slept in a chair, listening to disco music again. His spacesuit's all, you have the entire library of Congress uploaded, if you wish to read anything. Damon rolls his eyes. Some words are all Earth, parentheses, planet. A young black person in Jeff Daniels' office takes a pen out of his pocket, makes spaceship noises, walks around the room a couple times, adds a few laser noises, pretends an apple in a bowl is the Death Star, makes explosion noises, then stops and goes, and that's how we save Mars. <laughs> Jeff Daniels is off. that's hey, Jaden, you're fired, get out. <laughs> There's a lot of identity jokes. Tom. The kid leaves. Daniel sighs and looks at Kristen Wigg and Chai tell edgy for and goes, you guys too. God, how can my stupid life get any worse? Fuck. Wilson Phillips walks in and goes, sir, uh, there's a problem with our Jupiter mission too now. Uh, One of the astronauts says there's a bunch of monoliths coming out of the red spot and their AI is starting to act a little (laughs) hinky. Topical. Some words are all, even less happens for seven months. Damon stares into the camera and goes, Hey, everybody, as you can see, uh, I've got a scraggly beard now and uh, I've lost 100 pounds. Been listening to a lot of Soundgarden. Speaking of which, uh, I took my stupid spacesuits advice, poured over Commander Chastain's 1820s maritime law encyclopedias, and it turns out the first person to ever grow crops on a planet is technically also that world's first pirate. <laughs> <laughs> so from now on, everybody has to call me Captain Old MacDonald Beard. <laughs> Come on. That's my name. A little fun for you. And now some disco. Whoop. Hang on, incoming facts from NASA. He tears half the wrinkled sheet off the dot matrix thing and reads it and looks up at us and goes, NASA has an annual budget of $300 and the best survival advice they can give me is to use tools and drive a vehicle? <laughs> uh, my audience laughs appreciatively at this absurdity. Damon waits for the laughter to subside. Then he's all, but I got a way bigger problem. I only have one more season of my two dads. Although I guess I could just start watching my video diaries. He unzips his pants and pops into one of them, removing the staple. The paperclip. What was it? (laughs) Damon drives 3,400 miles to another rocket ship without incident, then prepares for his extraction by putting a bomb under it and a tarp over the front part. Then he straps himself in using Saskatchewan seal-skin bindings, turns on his headset and goes, Damon and NASA, tarp secured! Ready for pickup. Hey! (laughs) There's some faint cackling of static. Then Daniels is all... uh, Daniels to Damon. You remember there's a 24-minute gap uh, between whatever you say, whatever we hear, and vice versa. Damon's all got it. Daniels all... Also, make sure the tarp's secured with 5-inch screws, not 7-inch screws, before you take off. Damon's all... Got it. He hits takeoff. The Trab swoops skyward as Chastain's rocket ship arcs away from it. Invisible girl's all... Sarah Damon took off ahead of schedule, as expected. Unfortunately, we're still going too fast and too slow. Chastain's all, oh, we fucked up the math again. Sorry, Damon. We'll try to send you some potatoes. Damon's all, wait, what if I cut a hole in my spacesuit and let all the air out of my suit and drifted around uncontrollably like Iron Man? The way I blew myself up earlier after saying something witty, also like Iron Man. She's all, uh, maybe you could joke about doing that in the novel, but this is a hard science movie based on a best-selling. She hears a loud hiss as he rips a hole in his suit and flies past her a bunch of times, making fart noises. While at the same time, his suit leaks air, also, in addition to the fart noises that he's making with his mouth. He ricochets off a bunch of asteroids and the ship and Chastain and Earth, going, whoa! Eventually, Chastain grabs him. Some words are all five hundred uneventful days pass, a newspaper's all third consecutive rip in spacesuit declared savior of Martian. Some words are all day one, but months after the previous events. David wears glasses and sits on a bench in NASA's coffee park. Some kids pass him but nobody says much. Damon waits a few minutes so it's not creepy, then follows them to a classroom. He tells the students there. Yes, I survived on Mars by eating my own shit. <laughs> but let's not talk about how I survived. Knowledge isn't like you came to NASA. The kids all laugh and text. He's all, now, who wants me to stop talking? All their hands shoot up. I look over at Bradbury and go, when Drew Goddard finished this script, I wish the temperature in his room had become 451. <laughs> the end.
0: Thank you, Kelly Watt. The Mars Alexis. All right, so uh, let's see. Have we all read Andy Weir's book? I know Dingus yes. and I have. Kelly Wan, you read it as well. All right. Um, Dingus, I'm super interested in what you thought of this. I'd like you to go first. Tell us how you felt about this adaptation of the book that we've all read. Oh, well, I love the book and I love
1: the movie. And I saw it in 3D, so ha-ha. Hmm. <laughs> hmm.
0: Uh, all right, hmm. No, for, so it, it worked? No, I know. I'll, I'll 3D be script. happy to elaborate. I
1: think it's... I think it's really well realized. I I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm not crazy about a, a few things here and there, but I totally understand the cuts that had to be made. I don't really understand what happened at the end. Um, what do you say I at the end? Do you
0: mean the, the pickup, or are you talking about the, the the little conclusion bit, or
1: what? What, what, what do you mean? Well, the, the conclusion bit I can do without, but I I I understand that as a as a you know and I, I guess it wouldn't be called a co- coda, but a an epilogue, I don't know. Uh for some people. I, I'm talking more about the Iron Man silliness. Okay, right. Um I could do I could totally do with all out all of that, but it doesn't ruin the movie for me. It did make me roll my eyes. Um but, that
0: wasn't in the book, right?
1: Oh no no no. He no, jokes
2: no. about doing
1: a Right. He jokes about doing it but but it's clearly physically impossible for him to do that based on what's happened to him in the in the 12 G's and, and everything I mean he has to just be fished out of there and also just to, Jessica Chastain isn't parachuting in to what do its right. you know yeah. it's she,
2: the she's, for months to do it she's
0: doing her actual job on, on the ship because part of what surprised me about that I just want to mention briefly since you brought it up nigus uh, that's one of the most cinematic parts of the book and i I, I was a little surprised that that drew Goddard adapted so much of the rest of it faithfully and for whatever reason felt like he needed to punch up this conclusion because I, I was a little taken aback at some of that as well.
1: I think that is more related to making the stars be heroes than it is necessarily to punch yeah. up. Okay. Um, well, that's- and, and I think both of them the, the female star and the male star got to appear heroic rather than him being drowsy and her doing her job right. uh, which I think is a shame because I think it, it, it lends a certain ridiculousness um, that was, frankly, done better in WALL-E uh, to, uh, to the proceedings. Right. Um, but other than that, I and I mean, I, I really, really loved this movie, and it, it made me very emotional from some of the very first moments. Uh-huh. I, I really like the way it's put together. I'm guessing, I'm sensing I don't think, I think I might be alone on this.
0: Really? Why Why, why do you say that? Uh,
1: just from the way Kelly did his opsis and I don't know, some of your tone. I'm a My tone,
0: oh. But so I don't think, though, I don't think Kelly's Opsis is ever a reflection of what he... Well, you might be right. Let's find out. Kelly Wand, is Dingus right?
2: He is this time, although the Opsis is a self-contained thing, and I'll make fun of movies that I really like. Even, but in like, this case...
0: Yeah, like yeah. you'll even do, you'll make disparaging comments about something
1: like Fury Road, which you loved. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know he does that, but sometimes, just as with a good
2: performance, you can tell the intention. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Yeah. So, so and Kelly if wanted, you, you know, flaws in the movie as opposed to doing jokes, then you can tell probably. So, Kelly,
0: yeah. overall, then what? What was your assessment of this? How How would you say you felt about the movie?
2: Um, I don't. Well, we always get into this thing about source material, and I just want to say that I loved the book. Okay, like adored the book. Thought it was. It's kind of. A, it's a dense read, but I really liked it. And I remember really liking the character of Watney in it. And really liking how the story was told and liking just how it was all about problem solving. And just this, it has a sense of place somehow, even though he doesn't really describe the topography that much. And, uh yeah, I didn't like this movie at all. I thought it was really badly written. I thought there was no sense of wonder. I thought there was no suspense. I thought he was very glib about his situation. He didn't seem panicky. He didn't seem scared ever. I thought he was really miscast. I thought the cast was way too big. I thought there was way too much time spent on Earth. I thought that ruined the isolation that I felt in the book, and it's just like this big moment when you find out he makes contact. I think they took out most of the problem-solving. I think the science is dumbed down. Um, and I think like the last third, a lot of stuff that I was looking forward to from the book isn't in the movie. Like they took out.
0: That whole road trip is, isn't in there. They yeah. Road just, trip.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The dust storm and, like, the NASA blaming Lewis for leaving him behind and that making her feel even worse and then him sticking up for her, I really liked, I was bummed that wasn't in the movie. I was bummed that Chris Wigg didn't call Jeb Daniels a coward. I was super bummed that that line was cut where the girl's reading to her dad that, like, the plan is if this fails, like, everyone dies but her and there's, like, a cannibalism was the thing. worst. That's the worst part of the book. Are you kidding me? It's the best part. That's so, that the, wait. Oh, my, my
1: God. That. that is the part where I almost threw the book against the wall. Because this is the it's, 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 part of the book, Kelly. So it's explain it's what a you dense guys, so, read on. because of cannibalism. Honestly. So
0: you guys, uh, the listeners might not have read it. Go ahead and explain, Dingus, what, what that part of the book is that was left out of the movie. No,
1: no, this is Kelly's favorite part. Oh, oh what Kelly, I mean, because I'm just
0: saying, is. people listening may not know what you guys are talking about. So so one of you explain what this is.
2: Okay, so when, when they're planning the rescue attempt, everyone's riding home going, you know, because if the, this doesn't work, they're all going to die. And so, if, what's her name? Lewis, uh,
1: Commander Lewis. Lewis.
2: No, no. The young, so, the Commander Lewis,
1: It's Johansson, isn't
2: it? Johansson, yeah. Johansson's calling her dad. The Kate Mara whatever.
1: character. Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: That if uh, if this fails, the backup plan is if all the astro- all of them will commit suicide, except for her, because there's not enough food for them to get back to Earth. And then he goes, "Oh, you won't commit suicide." And she goes, "No, I won't." And then he goes, but if you don't have enough food to get back to Earth, and then he's all, oh. So it's like she'd be eating the other astronauts. <laughs> so
1: Dingus, why did why did you hate that? Did you just I me? love that. I think it's that. absolute ridiculousness. There's what? no way that would ever be a plan. It's stupid. It totally would.
0: Okay. So, yeah. they, I mean, fair point. I mean, I mean it's just, it's. it's is uh, dying
1: so, of situation? It's gratuitous. It's ridiculous that that would be a plan and that she would reveal it to her dad.
2: That part's <sighs> a little weird. I agree with that, but like he's maybe he's she's got to do that because she's got to tell someone so, or she can tell
0: with, him. Kelly, I just want to say I'm with Dingus in that I do feel it. I, the problem I have with it is out of tone with the rest of the book. This, the book and the movie is not an existential crisis. It's not even that much as a survival drama. It's more of an adventure. Uh, in an existential crisis movie, um, that that would absolutely fit. And as far as whether or not NASA would do that, I, I mean, if that's what it took to have someone survive, I would. I, I wouldn't. You know, I, I kind of feel that, yeah, that's something that should be considered. Right. Um, but so I, I agree with both of you, but I do agree with Dingus that it would be it's out of sorts with the rest of the book. I don't think it would have had any place. It's a in this survival
2: movie. movie. That's a hard decision. Same as he's doing.
0: OK, so then let me let me weigh in here, because I, uh, I Kelly, want to agree with all pretty much most of your criticisms. And man, that uh, very articulate of you. And I, I all those things you listed. Uh, it's like you were reading my mind. However, uh I, I will confess, I kind of enjoyed most of it because it 's a very hollywood production it 's very yeah. safe it 's very easy um, and in a way it's kind of effective uh so i didn't i didn't hate the movie i 'm not even sure I disliked it. I can be super critical of it, and i 'll forget about it in a couple of weeks um, right. but I did enjoy I, I did enjoy my time with it, and I liked some of what was done um but I think most of it I kind of disagreed with upon reflection. Um, but as far as a, a, a super easy Hollywoodized adventure movie, uh, I, I was kind of into it as I was watching
2: That's- that's just the book, though. Like, it's impo- this book was impossible to screw up, mostly, so like, everything that you're saying that's good about it was just okay. from the book, which we can give them credit for. They adapted a cool book, okay, so, now, as opposed to a lot of shitty okay. books.
1: Now, here's, though, where I do... So why do to... you call it a dense read? It's not a dense oh, read. It's just, it's...
2: Well, for me, it was, just because I'm really dopey when it comes to math well, stuff. There's, a lot, and of, cool there's a lot
0: of detail in it. I don't know if yeah. it's necessarily dense, but it's certainly a detailed read, and a lot of that detail... Has no place in a movie and was, I think, kind of rightly left out, glossed sure. over. Um, so certainly the the book is more detailed. De- Dense could be another word for that, but it's more detailed okay, okay. than the movie. Right.
2: But, but, but like I the was, one, yeah. Well, well, go well, ahead, Kelly. There's Just the one thing, like uh, like that part of it, I get. I get why they cut that, and I sort of was expecting that. I still think the third act was way more suspenseful and interesting in the book. Than in the movie, and, they, and I'm surprised they cut that. But I was really surprised that Matt Damon's character just didn't seem... Like, he tears up at the end, but he just didn't seem very... I was really wrought.
0: The, the, I, em, I, I felt that the movie could have gotten away with a much more powerful emotional crescendo, and I'm surprised it wasn't there. I did not get why that felt so muted.
2: Um, yeah, I didn't either. Because the drama's there. Like, they just... And you know, he's not bad actor.
0: I would have been super so easy to get at that point, And it just I was like, oh, that's kind of all you're going to get. It's like I, I thought of and this might be an unfair comparison. Um, but a movie that I didn't enjoy as much as this is, is Captain Phillips. But the emotional crescendo of Captain Phillips, where, where Tom Hanks finally breaks and cries after he's safe. Um, that was hugely effective to me, even though there yeah. was a movie I didn't care that much for. Um, so if using that as a sort of basis for comparison. That that relief and that emotional release of being finally safe and having contact again, uh, I was kind of looking forward to that, uh, yeah. and and it just when it when it came, it didn't hit me as hard as I thought it could have. Like that could have been way more effective or more yeah. manipulative. I don't know.
2: And I wondered if maybe that was because I was was just familiar with the book and I know it's going to happen, and so maybe. But I mean, it seems like. I don't know, like, I'm sort of tipping my hand, but, like, my over for this movie is All is Lost, and the way that that movie sure. and that character dealt with things and the way that movie told its story about survival, and, like, it's just so much... That's sort of what I wanted from The Martian was more All is Lost.
0: Sounds like you're not bracketing it, though. Once again, you're just picking a way better... Version, something you liked way better uh, than The Martian. Well, my, it's the kind I, of
1: movie no, I wish it no, had well, been. I am bracketing. I mean... <clears throat> I, I totally disagree with you guys about the, that, that they're not being an emotional, I don't know, yeah, about Damon, about there not being an emotional payoff, about there not being emotion, uh, emotional road bumps and all kinds of things that he's dealing with and carving out throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of subtle stuff that he's doing, but he's carrying himself through with humor and with problem solving and, uh, you know, with, with, also with anger. In various ways that he's doing throughout the movie, and as he gets closer and closer, he's falling apart. He's 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 gradually crumbling as a man and, and as a person. And in that whole that final sequence where he where he's going to actually be so close to actually touching another human being again, I I think you find him disintegrating in in a way. And I, I'm frankly shocked that you guys didn't get anything out of that
0: yeah it just didn't work for me i mean i, I see that what yeah. that that could have been i mean that should have been a payoff moment and i just didn't feel the payoff at that point um
2: wow all right so and let, maybe let me, it's because it's like it glosses over stuff like if it just says seven months later part of me is already like feeling a tremor of unease like wait what so this is the part where he's lost weight kind of thing like i'm constantly conscious of like how he's trying to not say the f-word too many times because that's a big part of the book there's a lot of good lines i think they kind of stepped on what were we going to say, Tom? Sorry. So
0: I so my overall takeaway, uh, even though I did kind of enjoy it, uh, my my real big problem with this, um, and I will say too about the book, I wasn't that crazy about the the book. Um, I the, the, the book for me, uh, it, it's it, I, I don't think that Andy Weir is a very good writer. Uh, I don't think he knows really how to do characters. Um, the book for me is a, a, an engineering dork. Uh, basically writing a, a Mary Sue story uh, that's kind of like troubleshooting porn. Uh, and I liked that. I enjoyed that. But what I personally look for in a book is more li- like characters. I want to know about characters. And I feel like Andy Weir can't really do that, but that's fine. You know, the guy's not a writer. He's an engineer and he is a dork. And he expresses that very well in an easily readable book. Like it's, it's a great uh, airport read, for instance. Um, so while I wasn't crazy about the book – Uh, I can respect what it was doing. However, those problems, you know, I feel that Andy Weir, not being a great writer, not really knowing how to do meaningful characters, uh, there's no excuse for that in a movie. And I feel that Drew Goddard, in a big-budget movie like this, with a good cast, should have very different rules. You know, there's no longer an excuse that we have a non-writer who is a dork writing troubleshooting porn, so therefore we're not going to have good characters. Uh... I feel that Drew Goddard should have made a better movie script instead yeah. of what I felt was a kind of compromised, hand wavy version of Andy Weir's troubleshooting porn. Uh, and, and now I grant this is not like an all is lost. I don't think they're going for that. Uh, it, it's not. It's not an existential crisis. It, it's an adventure movie, uh, and I just feel like the the problems that get carried over from the book. Uh, there was no excuse for, it. and that—that's the stuff that really bothered me. Well,
1: how, how is it not an existential crisis? I mean,
0: it's, it's a tone. It's a matter of tone. Like, it's really it, not. But the
1: huh? the theme of the movie is, in the book is, am I going to live or die? I mean, sure. It's it, he uh, actually says the line, it, it, "It's going to that it's going to be so nice not to die," or whatever the line he says. I mean, it, it's literally. I mean, th- this is the definition of an existential crisis. He's, yeah he's got to figure out a way to live. See, for, for years beyond, or days beyond, he could actually live. How's that not a... I don't it's know, not it's a existential
0: crisis in the sense that that's not the dramatic tension of the movie.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. What are you talking about? He has to survive.
0: I, I can explain. So so an existential crisis movie is more concerned with things like, you know, Kelly Wan mentioned that sense of isolation, uh, the sense of... Uh, you you know like like you think of robert redford in all is lost or james franco in 127 hours uh you think of the the way the the tone of those movies creates a sense of of dread of unease uh this sort of ominous sense of you know am i going to live i don't feel that there's ever a point where that is a realistic consideration in Andy Weir's book or in this movie. Uh, Because it's such a Mary Sue thing, I think it's always clear that this guy is going to figure out some... It's more like an encyclopedia Brown almost. It's about how is is he going to solve this puzzle and not how terrible is it that I'm alone and isolated and abandoned on Mars. Um, For instance, my favorite thing about the movie... And I don't remember a lot of this in the book. I'm sure it was there. Uh, is the, the, the psychology of the crew of the Icarus, and specifically uh, Commander
1: Lewis's guilt. You mean the? You mean the Hermes? The Icarus is a different movie.
0: Oh, what's the Icarus <laughs> from?
1: The Icarus is from Sunshine.
0: Oh, which we just watched, right? So whatever the ship is called in uh, uh, it's
1: called in the Hermes.
0: Carson, the Hermes. Uh, my favorite part. Is the, the psychology of Jessica Chastain's character, and I don't feel there's any counterpart to that with Matt Damon's character because it, it's it's a it's more of a puzzle than an existential crisis. Now thematically, is you're absolutely correct. This is a movie about a castaway uh, and his survival, but I don't feel it has the same tone as something like All Is Lost or even Castaway, which by the way is my over, uh, or or 127 Hours. Uh, or even Apollo 13, by the way, which is historical. You know they're going to live, um, but I got more of a sense of of seriousness. You know, and of
2: people, it, humanity. Like in Apollo 13, he's really bummed that he's not going to see the moon, like all this is happening to him, and you what? really feel Well, that.
0: that's the thing, too. Just real quick, and the thing is, I, I want to hear your response. But that's my main problem with the characterization, is that we have no sense. There's one point where he mentions his parents, but we have yeah. nothing else. There is no reveal about as far about anything regarding mark watney other than his troubleshooting skills every reveal is something about hey he's a botanist or right. uh, there, there's no reveal about who's waiting for him at home you know why do why does he care whether he lives or dies you know in an existential crisis movie you know it, all, throughout all of lost all is lost you're wondering who is that letter to right
1: that uh, none of that is ever revealed asking. but that's an right. important
0: character detail and the right. movie opens with that to make us care about robert redford and who he is and what his connection is to the world andy weir and drew goddard's script drew goddard's script has no concern about that with, with mark watney's character and that's fine that's because as i said
1: as all is lost the tones are different i totally that's agree fine, because, as the i tones said are different
0: I, you're right as I said, I don't think it's an existential crisis movie. I think it's an adventure, and in an adventure, you just go with the events, and you don't have to reveal things about the character and his home life and his inner monologue or his, you know, his psychology. You just show a hero going through the motions, and that's fine. That's what this movie does, and it's just one of my problems with it. Like, isn't that exactly they, what,
1: That is exactly what All is Lost does. It doesn't reveal well,
0: anything either. I don't want to talk about All is Lost because I, I feel like well, – Obviously, but I, I mean I understand. No, no, no. I agree, we can talk about All is Lost, but what I'm saying is I, I feel that this movie doesn't do any of the things that All is Lost does in terms of tone. Uh, now, if you want to put All is Lost down, we can do that. But I feel All is Lost – for me, no over-under because All is Lost is way better than this. Um, part of the, the, the feature of All of Lost, and I think it's a problem – is that we never see anybody looking for Robert Redford. It never leaves his perspective because it's all about his inner monologue, his psychology, his feeling, his performance as an actor. It's all about us wondering, you know, what's waiting for him at home? Why do we care about it? You know, why does he care about survival? Who is this guy? Uh, And it doesn't keep jumping back and forth and showing us people looking for him. All is lost is intensely psychological in a way that The Martian absolutely isn't. So that's sort of saying – that's sort of the the difference I draw, Bingus, in terms of being an adventure versus an existential crisis. So I'm sorry. I I blathered on – so so Bingus, yeah. So if if you wanted to respond to that, I'd, I'd love to hear.
1: No, I think Kelly wants to jump in. Go ahead, Kelly.
2: I just want to say really quick, in defense of Andy Weir as a writer, I really liked the book, and I think if it had, if it had like, I, I agree with, like, there's nothing about his parents in the book either, and that sort of bugged me when I was reading it, but I figured in the book it made a little more sense since, like, he's just, we're getting the book, the book's basically like his video diary, which is a very long, it's a literary tradition that's never really made sense. We kind of just buy into it, but it's like, maybe he just doesn't want to think about that, and also it's like, as problem-solving porn Andy Weir's really good at it. Like, it's a really great series of events. And, like, in an afterward, like, he saw, he talks about how that's how he wrote it. Like, he wrote it online without even thinking about profit and just, like, the problems he could get this character into and how he got out of it. And I remember thinking, even in, towards the end, like, how, like, engaged I was in what was happening. And it was just, like, it made me care about the character.
0: You know, to, to be fair, let me backpedal from that, because I, if I did say Andy Weir's not a good writer, I didn't <clears> – <throat> he's not a writer that writes the kind of stuff I like to read. But, but you're right, the, the Martian as a book – It it does something that I feel is super important that takes a good writer, and namely, it's phenomenally paced. It's an easy read. It's super exciting. So I really shouldn't say he's a bad writer. He's just not writing the kind of stuff that I personally like to read. I did enjoy the book, but it, it just wasn't the sort of thing that I really resonate with.
2: So, right. But I even like that. even even with all those shortcomings that we're talking about, like nothing about his personal life in the book so much, I remember really liking that character in the book and really just rooting for him and thinking he was kind of adorable and cute and silly and had a really dopey sense of humor and he kinda got a sense of how he was I don't know, just and in the movie I just got none of that from Damon at all. So
0: the thing is I want to hear it because you mentioned that it was super that it was effective for you, that it, it, it really worked for you. Uh Talk some about that. Like, what what made this so successful for you? What what things did you really respond to? All
1: right. Well, let me let me answer that question by just starting with the last thing Kelly said, and then going into an answer of what you just said. Huh? Because um, I disagree. Well, I disagree that Mark uh, that Andy Weir is not a good writer, and I know that you just you adjusted right. that, and I agree with the way you adjusted it because I think he's he's good at writing. A journal. Um, and, and that's a really, that's an interesting talent to be able to do. And, and he, he publishes thing chapter by chapter on his blog. So it's understandable that it reads like a journal. And I remember reading the book and feeling disappointed when we got to Earth because I kind of just wanted to stick with this dude and read his journal. I mean, hear him talking to me because I liked his attitude. I liked the way he was getting through life. Uh, I liked the things that he was doing. Um, I eventually sort of grudgingly accepted NASA and the PR people and all of that, all of those layers in the book because I felt like, okay, that's the, that's and that's where Tom is right about this being an adventure because it's about saving him. Um, the thing that works for me in the movie uh, and I wouldn't have thought, you know, having seen all is lost and loving the the fact of all the things that Tom said that we don't know anything going on in the outside world. All we have is this guy. Uh, I, I, I have a very special place in my heart for all is lost. Um, what I love that the Martian movie does is it makes me, it helps me accept those, um, extra Martian, uh, viewpoints, uh, from the get go, from the moment where Martinez turns to Lewis and says, um, Commander, I need, I need a verbal, I mean, when he, when he says, I need the, this verbal command and she says, launch, I started to tear up. And this is like two or three minutes into the movie, which is ridiculous. But, but, and this is where I just disagree with Kelly as far as the casting is concerned. I think all of these actors do a fantastic job with this. And I think Matt Damon, I mean, it's hard to carry forth, a movie basically where you're just talking to the camera as if you're writing a journal just for posterity or for whatever. You, it's, it's an excuse to tell us a story, and that's what Andy Weir's book is. It's an excuse to tell us a story from first-person point of view, and I like the way that he does it as if he were writing a journal. That's, the, that's I think the strength of the book, and the strength of the movie is that it for me it feathers in those other viewpoints because I think you're right Tom I think that Andy Weir's weakness is that all of the characters basically sound like Mark Watney I mean there's nobody that really sounds any different in the book right um, and I, I again I kind of grudgingly accepted that I I loved reading the book. Uh, but mainly, I just wanted to sit around with Mark Watney and hear how he's solving problems.
0: So, and, I, I just want ahead. to interject real quick. That moment with Jessica Chastain needing to give the verbal cue or the, the verbal command, I also loved that. And that's why you know that sets the stage for my favorite part of the, the character stuff, which is her guilt and, and the, the dilemma she feels. Right. Like I feel that that's the beginning of one of the most effective parts of the movie. So I'm with you. That, that totally worked for me as well. Yeah. Um, Uh, Let's then talk about some of the troubleshooting stuff, because the book, of course, as I mentioned, they're kind of like puzzles. Uh, Andy Weir's uh, sort of mandate for writing this was to make sure everything's plausible, to not
1: just do hand-waving. What do you mean, his mandate? you self-imposed?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was his goal, is to write a book where where everything is plausible. It's using contemporary technology. He's not just going to make up dilithium crystals or whatever. Oh,
1: good. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So... uh, I was a little disappointed that that didn't translate better into the movie. I kind of understand, but I felt like the movie just felt a little hand-wavy to me. And let me give an example. One of the things that I still didn't understand from the book, uh, I would love someone to explain this to me, uh, is how he can live for two years on a planet with no oxygen. And in the movie, they just use the word oxygenator and I know that was something from the book, but in the movie, I never would have understood. I mean, that would have felt like a dilithium crystal to me, um, and I know in the book, he talks about that, uh, the stuff I remember is how he gets moisture, um, but in the movie, I just felt like, yeah, there's an oxygenator, yeah, there's conveniently uh, a radioactive isotope buried in the sand somewhere, you know, that's explained in the, in the, in the book. Um, you know, the, the line, I'm just going to science the shit out of this. I, I just felt there was a lot of of hand-waving in place of some of the cool problem-solving in the book that I wish Drew Goddard had tried to surface more. I tried to bring out and express cinematically more. I don't know how he would have done this, but I, I was disappointed. And, and it's, by the way, embodied in literally hand-waving in that Iron Man bit. <laughs> again, where he yeah. poke a hole in his, in his glove and... You know, at that point, I just felt like that was a complete betrayal of Andy Weir's yeah. self-imposed mandate to make everything realistic. And uh, So how did you guys feel then about how the cool problem-solving from the book was expressed cinematically? Because I know if you've read the book before you see the movie, that's got to be something you're going to wonder. It's how does a movie tell a story with this cool troubleshooting porn? How does it express <laughs> it cinematically? And were you guys okay with that? Uh, Dingus, why don't why not you go first?
1: Uh, there's a couple moments that I just that that totally work for me in that regard, where he's where he's working out equations or where he's about to uh, where he's about to really snap and then he pulls out the trays of potatoes and he starts counting them and putting down numbers on them. Um, but that type of stuff doesn't stand up to the type of calculation and problem solving that goes on in Apollo 13. I mean, even yeah, when yeah. they drag out the old. Um, Pathfinder, I think it is, uh, to figure out how to work the camera again. I think there's a lot of shortcuts. And I, I don't always know what you mean by hand-waving, but uh, I, I'm maybe um, – uh, and I'm, I'm not being glib when I say that. I, I, always, I don't always know what you mean by hand-waving.
0: Hand-waving is basically like uh, – uh, it might actually be a reference to the uh – Obi-Wan Kenobi thing where, where you, you come up with a problem <laughs> in a narrative and there's literally like a wizard or something waves his hand and makes the problem go away.
1: <clears throat> so, so it's like a shortcut then. Basically.
0: It's like a shortcut. Like okay. saying rather than explaining how he's got oxygen for two years, you just use the word oxygenator. Like that's right, kind of right, hand wavy. Right. Um, so that, that's kind of what I'm getting at there, Dingus.
2: <laughs> Did you coin that phrase?
0: No, 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 please. That, I mean, people talk about that a lot when they're talking about difficult narrative problems. Is you just hand We're away.
2: all talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi? No, no, I,
0: that I just literally thought of that now as an example where, hey, this town is guarded by stormtroopers who are looking for you.
2: I'll wave my hand.
0: Droids, oh, no, they're not. And then you literally hand wave. He hand waves his way through And
2: he never does that again. He could just do it with the stormtroopers on the Death Star but he chooses not to wave his hand yeah, stop bringing, bringing
1: Force. He waves his hand and it makes a little tick noise.
0: Oh, right. That's him. Why didn't
2: he do that in the Land Speeder and then do make the conversing guys go, Yeah, we're not looking for you
1: <laughs> But, but my, the one of the things that I was uh you know, after the movie I I, I was thinking about how he dealt with food and how water, you know Classically, water is the bigger problem. Right. Um, and so they kind of dealt with moisture when there was the garden involved. But when he had to travel, how much water are you going to take? How are you going to take all that water? Or the way that he strapped the solar cells or all the, how important that was and how he had to modify the rovers in order to be able to strap all the extra solar cells on in the book. Um, those types of things, uh, I don't see that necessarily as hand-waving. I see that as them having to pick and choose what, what battles are we going to fight. Sure, and I think that that the food battle was the one they really chose to fight um, the
2: hardest upon. Uh, I did, tangible.
0: I did appreciate, like, uh, <clears throat> by the way, who is the actress that played Mindy Parks? Because I really liked her. What do we know her from anything?
2: Oh, she's from *Halt and Catch Fire*. I like her too.
0: Oh, oh, what's her uh, name? I should have looked up her name. Shit, can't remember. Oh, Wait, my. which one's Mindy Parks? Is she the she, one who? She's the satellite the control
2: one. chick. Yeah. Oh, the
1: one who discovers the um the images.
2: Yeah. Oh, She's really
1: it's good it's on Hall and Catch Fire. McKen- it's Mackenzie something. I can't McKenzie remember. Mackenzie Phillips. No, McKenzie. not Mackenzie
2: Phillips. Uh, I'm not trying to make of her. I'm just dumb. I did
1: like her. I did like her a lot, yeah. I did
0: like her. So there were, there were a couple of bits where I felt like, you know, this is a good way to to not hand wave around it, to sort of express some of the problem solving. Uh, and the, the the solar cells thing, this is one of them, where she says, you know, he drives for four hours, and then he has to recharge for 13 hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, just little references like that were like, oh, that's how he's, you know, getting across this huge expanse, See, and, it, and the book is way more detailed about that.
2: Right. The the dumbness, the dumbing down of the movie, like, that's a perfect example, and I guess, like, like I get why they did the food, because you can see the food, Um, but, like, well, in the book,
1: down. I mean, well, this is what I'm talking about, this is an example. can't do a 300-minute movie.
0: Compromising, I mean, yeah, the, the compromise of no, it, no, no. yeah.
2: No, I know, but here's the thing. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give an example. It's like when she sees something different in the book. It's that there's dust on something. It's something way more subtle than just like stuff's obviously been moved that like any other engineer would have noticed, and she just happened to. So in the book, she seems she comes across as way smarter because she notices like really subtle difference. Ah,
0: uh, right,
2: right. That's but again, like I
0: feel that that's an that's an okay, okay compromise
1: because someone wrote a weird email before. Look at this image, and that didn't happen. I mean that
0: oh yeah uh, yeah. who sent that email
1: was was the idea that Chuitel Ejiofor had yeah it says Venkat sent the email to her to look at this image and that that sort of reduces her because what was happening was she was in a room somewhere and she was figuring things out on her own right and I just right. understand that weird sort of insertion of Venkat's email when the email, the email, <laughs> ga- the email joke or the email gag happens later on, right? Uh, based on the steely-eyed missile man, not on her.
0: But you're right; that is that you know that does kind of reduce her character. I, 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 that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I want to I want to uh, do point out a, a part where I did like, and I wish there had been more of this. Um, and maybe this, like, maybe Ridley Scott and Drew Goddard think this stuff is too boring for a. Uh, a large audience, but I really appreciated this moment, and that's when he has the explosion, and he mm-hmm. then says, "Oh, I, I, you know I miscalculated oxygen in that I forgot that I exhale oxygen." and that was kind <laughs> right. of a cool moment that was a bit in the book. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that I think anybody can understand. Uh, like that was a, a cool little scientific nod, and it showed yeah. you how, how not only how smart but how fallible he was right. and, and I yeah. wish there had been more of that. Because uh, I really liked that moment, and I, I feel like I, I just wish that more of the stuff had played out that way.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Then, the, you know, some of hey, those. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go. no. Go ahead. Well, I wish it played out more that way. than, hey, I'm going to go dig up a magical radioactive isotope, and it's going to keep me warm. Uh, y- you know, I liked the idea that he had to calculate something. He got it wrong, but then he knew exactly why it happened. Um, right, like, right. by the way, I don't think we ever know why the airlock blows up, do we? Is that ever explained? It's just the
1: the the thing, uh, and that's what I was just about to say. Is I think that some of those things are a nod to people who've read the book, and just to say uh, this thing in the canvas blew up, and in the book it's very much this Tom Clancy esque sort of. Okay. In the in the factory they were making canvas. Right. Right. Somebody was weaving Uh, this, and then seven hundred years later they were weaving something else, and then five hundred years later they tested it. James, you know what that
0: reminds me of, real quick? It uh, reminds me of. And I forget the guy's name in 127 Hours, but Danny Boyle did a great job with this where he's sitting there trapped under the rock and he speculates that this rock has gone through time
1: until just come
0: to this one point where it pins his arm. So I do remember that from the book. Yeah, very nice.
1: Right. So I think that this is just an accident that happens in the movie. But for those of us who read the book, we understand sort of the the layers that go into that. And I think there's a number of those things that – that's why I think that the script is – is kind of a little bit smarter than maybe you guys are giving it credit for in that it allows for those compressions for those of us who can put the pages in between those moments that happened. You know, I was kind of sad to lose the storm, too, but honestly, we're almost at two and a half hours at that point. Are you going to put in a storm, tacking back, and then go through and have the the wreck because of the soft sand and all of those?
2: You, you take and out the Earth press, press conferences. You take out Daniels. You take out Chaiwatel. You take out all that shit. Right.
1: Take out it's all of NASA. Fine, and you have all is lost. But that's not what this book is. And I think that folding in NASA is very, very important to making this um, dramatic on a, uh, on a on a world level, um, more than just one man's story, which is enough for me. But also, I think very exciting the way that they they not only fold in the entire Earth, but they make Hermes, the the crew of the Hermes, so important to what has to happen with him. And right.
2: one of them it's is top heavy. Triple A actors like both on the ship and on earth like it's just so there's so many people they have to show and, it, and I, I think, think it's calling out.
0: that out though is, is something that he appreciated the, yeah, the, yeah yeah
2: it's a world thing he's
0: not saying it's top heavy
1: he's saying that that was effective right right, right exactly I, you know i'm saying that it it's a different movie than something like all is lost although i liked it very much not as much as all is lost but i i like i i appreciate the movie for making something i didn't like about the book palatable and i guess palatable is a is a it's a really tepid way to put it but it making it dramatic for me just sells it yeah it well, sells it better
2: um seeing it, it's it's just it's like when i was reading the book though like the difference between this and all this is like he actually does need nasa to get back so they do like i remember being bummed like dingus when nasa gets involved in the book like oh it's not just about one guy and his way I mean, back. You could, but it's,
1: you could show the whole thing from his point of view, him doing the communication, him fixing, no, no, yeah, I'm figuring agreeing. out the decimals like, and all that stuff without any I still
2: effect. think it's like, I think like it's like an 80 20 split in the last hour where it's like, we're mostly on earth and like, there's not much Damon on Mars as much. Uh,
0: I want to call out something that I think it did do well. And Kelly, Wand, I'm curious if you're with me on this. Uh, I did like how it set up the expectation, uh, and this is difficult to do, and I, I thought it was very effective at this, and there was a lot of good payoff, even if I didn't like the last scene. But it did set up the expectation that things could go wrong, and that it, that did it did a really good job of, of getting suspense from that. Uh, in that there was never, even though he was always right, and even though I do feel the Mary Sue element was still in the, in the movie, uh, it did create this suspense where someone would come up with a plan, and then something would go wrong with it, or or there would be some flaw, or you know once they have this purcell maneuver per pernell, I forgot what it's called uh, pernell pernell yeah once they have once they 're going to do this maneuver and you think, oh yeah, everything's going to work, even that, for instance, they had things go wrong with it and and you were constantly kind of on edge about what 's going to go wrong, how are they going to get around it and even if i wasn 't always satisfied with how they got around it. And how that was explained, I did like just from a narrative perspective how much suspense there was by the movie early on, letting you know and following through with the fact that things could go wrong. Uh, so Kelly, one, did that work for you? Is that something that
2: you? I think it did at first, but it's like it, it's it seems like there's more of that at the beginning. I don't know. That's I guess that's not true. Like the last thing that really does go wrong is the food launch because they rushed it. And then after that, most of the stuff that goes wrong in the book isn't in it. Like he does that thing where he fries his cord, so he loses contact. Well, no,
0: even him. even the, uh, the, ichor- or the, the pick-up. Hermes, the Hermes like going too fast, having to sort of blow the oxygen and make a bomb because they have to, like right. well, that is stuff going wrong that they have to, that they have to on-the-fly troubleshoot.
2: True. But I see that as just, like, the climax of the movie, where it's, like, stuff going wrong routinely.
0: Right, but that's what um, I'm saying, is that it sets up the expectation and it follows through, and that that is dramatically effective. Because you are suspenseful, wondering, okay, here's a cool plan, what are the holes that the movie is going to poke in it? You know, how is it, how is Murphy's Law going to mess it up? And I kind of liked that bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's all from the book.
0: Rest- okay, so fair enough, fair enough. Um, uh, but let's talk some about. Oh, sorry, Dingus. Did you want to jump in?
2: No,
1: no. You're about to say maybe. Uh, I just wanted to start talk to talk a little bit about how the movie was filmed and some of the shots and
0: stuff. Yeah. What what uh, what stood out for you, Dingus? Like
1: what what? Uh... Uh, well, uh, did either of you see it in 3D? No.
2: Yeah, I, I had to. It's my only option. Uh, did it work for you, Kelly? uh not as much not as much as i was hoping like i was kind of really excited about just seeing a 3d mars like in a just a planetarium kind of sense and i felt like uh and early on i think i was i was sort of caught up in it but by the end it seems like he's not out on mars much like he's mostly in the tent and we're on earth so i felt like the 3d was sort of wasted actually okay that was my so because anyway. i
0: know you liked the 3d what what made it work for you
1: oh i was crazy about it uh First of all, you know, I'm on record is is thinking 3D is a gimmick that I'd rather not have to watch. I don't want to watch uh, – I don't want to have to put glasses on top of my glasses, and most of the time I hate it. Um, but uh, we have a very close uh, friend who um, – who insisted that we go see Gravity in 3D, um, oh, and she yes. insisted that we also go see The Martian in 3D, uh, mainly because a lot of the work that she does, she works for uh, JPL, as it turns out, um, a lot of the work she does has started to use the um, the HoloLens, where she's seen a lot of some of these images utilized in 3D, and she wanted to see, well, how is this realized on the big screen? And so I trusted her, and I went ahead and went to see it in 3D, um, and uh, I was just stunned um, at so much of the movie. I think it's really well done in 3D, and part of it is the is the train stuff. The train stuff is not train terrain so stuff. terrain is is mind boggling to me. Um, I can do without that the, the cliche of we have to have snow and dust in the foreground in order to make you believe this is a 3D image. Um, but even some of the Hermes stuff worked for me, but mostly yeah. that stuff when he's moving around on Mars, and there's one shot in particular, it's not really a movement shot. And this kind of goes into what you were just saying, Kelly, uh, about there not being a lot of stuff going on on Mars, but he's also inside too much. Um, it's, it's after the explosion in the Hab uh, when he's cleaning up his destroyed potato garden. He's, he's, he's inside cleaning up, and there's that – what has now become a portal – and there's this shot uh, behind, from inside the the hab, where he's cleaning all the dirt up. And there's the portal in the background of the shot. And in the background, through the portal, is the terrain of Mars. And that in 3D is breathtaking to me. But all of those terrain shots on Mars are unbelievable. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff that I would like to get into, but just the 3D, for me... Totally worked, and usually I am not somebody who will ever want to go to a three D movie.
2: Did you um, like it more than Gravity? Oh no, no, no,
1: no, no. Okay. So um, I'm
2: gonna
0: I'm gonna be a complete philistine here and just say I it just looked like Arizona to me. I mean, I was like, a, it, I mean, I, I don't know what I you're gonna this, do because because Mars does, I guess, look like Arizona, but
2: that's what John Carter thought.
0: I, I just I, I I was kind of expecting. <laughs> Hey, at least Ridley's guy is going to have a big effects budget, and that stuff is going to blow me away, and I I don't know what he could have done, but I – none of that really – I didn't feel any sense – Kelly Wan, you mentioned earlier – I didn't feel any sense of like wonder or majesty and – and maybe oh that's, it wasn't working for me. And Mars is
2: crazy. It's like it's got the biggest volcano in the solar system, and there's a lot of crazy shit to see on it. But even like his ride across Mars was sort of like that's what I, was, I assumed would be the money part of the 3D. And then it's just like, OK, he's there. Like it's instant. does
1: Io have the biggest volcano in the solar system? No. That's all want. I think it's Jupiter.
0: Anyway, I was
1: I was flying back across the country this uh, this afternoon from uh, from Virginia back to California, and as we flew over the Rocky Mountains, my son kept po- pointing out the window. Are those the Rockies? Are those the Rockies? Are those the Rockies? And there was this weird gully, this weird like sort of formation of rocks um, as we were flying over at thirty thousand feet or whatever. And I thought, oh man, uh, this would look so great in three D. Oh, I am looking at it in three D um,
2: <laughs> through a plane window.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, but that stuff, uh, it did not look like Arizona at all to I me. Mean, I've been to Arizona a ton of times. Um, it had such a specific. How about Utah? Specific,
0: I'll, I'll uh, say Utah then. I'll okay,
1: say Utah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, mainly my, my Utah uh, experiences from watching those awesome shots in Thelma, Thelma and Louise. Um, oh, geez, which was directed by Ridley Scott. <laughs> uh, See?
2: Um,
1: there's some beautiful photography in that, but, uh, but, the, but the 3D stuff of flying over the surface of Mars or even dialing into where the Hab was or going into where the rovers were going or where he was going, uh, that stuff really worked for me. It was just I, – I, I was really, really blown away by a lot of that 3D stuff.
0: Uh, here's the equivalent of me noticing a news crawl in a, in a, when I'm kind of not into a movie. <laughs> uh, watching The Martian, I was like – Wait a minute, are there clouds on Mars? Because, (laughs) so here's my thought process, because I was thinking, well, that would imply there's moisture and there's water. But then I was thinking, oh, wait a minute, not all moisture is water. Like it could be clouds made of, I don't know, methane or something. So I noticed there were definitely clouds in the shots.
1: And I I was like,
2: it's just a thinner atmosphere. It has an atmosphere
1: with clouds yeah. Well, there's, there's also a ton of dust storms, and that's that one of the cool things about the dust storm in the book is that he doesn't notice it because it's a- atmospheric, and the atmosphere is just different
2: on Mars, you know. Also, Tom, there is such a thing as an oxygenator; it's a medical device, so they can like separate.
0: It indefinitely makes oxygen for two years.
2: Well. I mean, we don't know. We're, okay, so the 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 part you're snagged on is the battery limit or the battery.
0: So there's power. a battery, like as long as you have enough electricity, you can just make oxygen.
2: Or you have That's, enough solar cells to recharge the battery. I thought you were hanging on the the process, like oh, you can't separate hydrogen and oxygen.
0: That is what I was wondering. Is how I'm sure it's explained in the book, and I just I, f- I finished the book, and then I was like, wait a minute, and I wanted to like go back and look it up. I didn't care enough, but I didn't I didn't realize that there's a. It mid- does sound mid- like mid- a
2: Star mid- Trek. Mid-
0: it indefinitely makes oxygen for you. Uh, I'm sure there is. Like I, I trust that Andy Weir knows
2: way better. That doesn't do. seem. Yeah, it seems weird that he'd have that mandate and then go. By the way, on page three. Right,
0: right. I'm not saying. I just saying. I, I wish that I would paid more attention. Like in, in the in the movie, they just say oxygenator, and I'm sure somebody who hasn't read the book might think of that as a dilithium crystal. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know.
1: Uh, um, did you guys have any feelings about the stars in the background, the star fields? They look cool. I think.
0: Mm, yeah, I didn't. I, I think
1: didn't. that was the extent of my feelings. <laughs> Damn it. That, that's one of my favorite things about this movie. Starfields? Uh, we
0: yeah. have those on Earth.
1: Yeah. yeah we do have those it? on Earth, but I was, I, was, with 3D. I was curious about them in two different instances. One is just the stars that he is seeing from Mars, and how uh, any way that, that something is shown in the background in this movie is fascinating to me. Because to me, it's. Uh, it's gravy. It's it's extra things that they're putting in in the background to, to lend depth to the field, both uh, emotionally and visually. Um, the, the, the star fields that you would see behind him or at night in those rare moments are fascinating to me because I, I sit there and think, uh, d- did they bother to map? what the star field would have been from Mars. Is that possible? Would it would be the same it?
0: as on Earth, depending on what hemisphere or what, what latitude and longitude he was at on, at on Mars.
1: Right, but when you're thinking about what the date is on Earth and the Sol is on Mars, I mean, that stuff is fascinating to me. But What, what I really loved was the star fields through the windows in, on the Hermes. Uh, I loved the stuff that, that Ridley Scott did in shooting the scenes on the Hermes um, and letting us see what was going on through the windows in the background. So you can see stars... In uh, the movement outside, you can see the stars outside in the sky and, and I get maybe three d enhances maybe it doesn 't, but I really love this. I love seeing the stars outside the windows, and I loved seeing that center section that had to rotate for gravity i guess i 'm not sure what the the um, what the mechanism is for that, but I loved the sense of movement of that as they were having scenes in various parts of the Hermes and that thing rotating and the way that it would cast shadows within the scene. Um, that they were doing in whatever whatever room they were in in the hermes, I mean m- most obviously it 's that moment where Jessica Chastain has to take responsibility and and, and somebody it might be Johansson, who says well we, we all we all decided to leave, and she said no, and she basically says no, it was my decision and 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 a shadow goes across her face as the rotating part, the rotating center section of the Hermes rotates. Um, And I love how, looking out the windows, you can always see what's going on outside outside in space. I really like that. A, A lot of times, space movies confine us into what is going on in the scene because they don't want to have to worry about what's going on outside the windows, and that's understandable, but I think this movie really pays attention to those details,
2: and I really like that.
0: Uh, what did you guys feel about uh, then some of the production design, aside from the fact that you could see out, outside the, the
1: windows? And whatnot. <laughs> I, I was a little concerned because I thought the Hab was a little big. Um, it was bigger than I imagined.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like cramped. or I mean, I didn't even notice until you – it didn't occur to me until you mentioned that thing. Is, but it did feel like it was kind of roomy,
1: didn't it? Yeah, it really did. Uh, and the Hermes, I mean, I, I'm kind of used to that because – Often in big budget like submarine movies, I'm looking at you, Red October. Uh, the the scenes look like they're taking place on a soundstage instead of in a cramped submarine. Right. Um. And space mm-hmm. is at a premium in space. I mean, <coughs> things are pretty cramped. And when I was reading the book, I was just imagining have, having to squirm through so many little spaces because he had to create like an extra workspace that was kind of like uh, like one of those campers that like you you just blow up the outside of it and attach it to the outside of the camper. Uh, I I think that space is at far more of a premium when you're dealing with that much oxygen that you have to deal with. So uh, I was a little thrown off by that. Um, But ultimately I was, I was okay with it in the same way that I was okay with it in like a movie like Europa report where they're going to put all the bugs here. We're going to have this much space here so we can actually have scenes between actors.
0: It did seem like he could have gotten in a healthy jog around. In, in certainly, area. certainly, yeah.
1: certainly. Yeah, it was. It was more like it was more like a, like on moon where you know he has a he has a treadmill and he can do whatever he wants right. all around the place.
0: Uh, I, I uh, because Dingus and I had recently watched Sunshine again, and uh, Danny Boyle, in one of the features, talks about how he didn't want to do the typical spacesuit where they have to have a big old huge glass plate so you can see the actors' faces. Uh, because in, in Sunshine, they've got these really weird, freaky spacesuits that are – that have this like gold – not xylar. What do you call that stuff that you make balloons out of?
1: Uh, it's mylar.
0: Mylar, right, right. Xylar. <laughs> they like had it. this like gold stuff on the outside that, that was supposed to be reflective. But more importantly, the, the face mask wasn't even a mask. It was just a big old like welder's mask kind of snout <laughs> looking thing. Uh, and what Danny Boyle said was, you know, when you've got multiple people in a spacesuit, you have to make it clear who is who – So what he did was have this little interior camera mounted, not like an Iron Man thing where you've got a full-on shot of the actor's face and you just pretend he's in a suit, but this little side camera where you can see the actor's face and kind of the faceplate around him. Um, So I was just very sensitive during The Martian to, oh, yeah, he's got to have one of those big, huge glass faceplates so everybody can see the actor's faces and furthermore – and I'm having so little patience for this these days, but what else are you going to do? The talking spacesuit. You know, the 10% oxygen. 5% oxygen. The pressure's sealed. I don't know how else you can do that, but I'm just so keenly aware of uh, this is, you know, a (laughs) movie has to do this. It has to tell us stuff that would just be on a display somewhere. Uh, I think it's funny. It not, not uh, you know. There's no point for you know. I'm not dinging the Martian anymore that I would ding any other science fiction movie, but uh, I, that stuff just stood out for me. But otherwise, I, I, you know, even though I thought Mars looked like Arizona, like it was kind of cool seeing the hardware realized and the the setting realized, and you know the or the, the Hermes. Um. What I what I didn't like, and I, I was a little surprised at this. Uh, I, I really feel like the movie kind of whiffed some of the. Like, like Kristen Wiig was so – they did yeah. nothing with her. And this whole idea, I liked how they set up, here's JPL, here's NASA. Uh, I loved how they set up, here's Jeff Daniels' perspective, here's Sean Bean's perspective. Um, but otherwise, I, I was really kind of disappointed that some of the planet-side stuff didn't play better. I i don't know what I expected, but uh, I wasn't crazy. There's a lot of it, too. There is a lot of it, and I didn't feel like the Donald Glover bit worked. I was like, "Oh, come on! Now you're just you guys are just goofing." Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I didn't care for that either. Yeah. yeah, all their smartest people are these little interns, and then they get promoted to like general, like Lando Calrissian. And stuff.
0: I also don't think you can make a. Uh, 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 I got that, Kelly Wand. I'm going to gloss over your Star Wars reference and make a Lord of the Rings reference because I don't. Think, I don't think you can make a Lord of the Rings reference when Sean Bean is in the room.
1: Yeah, you he seems sort of sheepish in the background, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I mean, at some point someone would say, hey, you look a lot like the guy who played Boromir. Like, I I, I guess they weren't talking about the movie necessarily, so maybe that's okay.
2: It's like in Ocean's 12, where they disguise Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts. Uh,
0: except not as self aware as Ocean's 12. Which maybe, you know what? Ocean's 12 was really annoying, so
1: I'm glad it wasn't as self aware. Um, I think that's just a little bit of, like, easy nerd porn. Yeah.
2: Yeah, my audience laughed at it too, and I just was like, eh, "You kids are so fucking uh, easy." I, what I'm, I,
1: about. I'm totally easy about that. I giggled at it.
2: I know, I know and I, I like that about you. But in the, until we talk about the portion that it goes, <laughs> well, but then here's, I, mean, I, I knew that would get you. When You're Kristen
0: a, When Kristen Wiig says that, oh, I hate you all. I mean, come on. If she's PR and if she's worked with them, and she knows what they're like, I'm, don't like set her up as this like, oh, she's outside and she's not in on what what they're actually doing and what their references are. I, I don't know. You know what? I was just so psyched that Kristen Wade was in this, and we just – they didn't do anything with She's it. She's
2: an exposition eunuch.
0: It really – the like, fact that you compared her to to uh, Adam Scott in Black mass absolutely, Kelly Wand. Yeah that, yeah, that was spot on for me.
2: I can do dramatic work too. Well,
1: I, th- I took it as – because the line is, I, I hate every one of you. That's one of those cute – that's one of those little lines you say to Ugh. somebody in the room when you don't get the joke. they They're all, all so They cute all explain the so- joke, and you're like, I hate every one of you. I, I didn't. I didn't see it as – her being a, a black mass apologist
2: in the book, she calls Jeff Daniels a coward, and like I thought, I was hoping he'd kick your no, ass. Mitch does. like, wait, Doesn't Mitch call him that
1: in this in the movie in the, that movie that I line is in the movie. No, he
2: he does, and then he leaves the room, and then he's all, "Boy, that guy, huh?" And then and then the Kristen Wiig character in the book goes, "He's right, you are a fucking coward." I was hoping he'd kick your ass, like she. Oh, right. So I she mean, talks.
0: regardless, I mean that's a source material thing, but I, I just like, you no, know, that's. They could have done more with Kristen Wiig. They didn't, and I did like though they they, they introduce uh, this idea of, of NASA's transparency, which was kind of cool. Right. Where they're like, you know what, we have to say something because they make clear, and people may not know this, that everything NASA does is is in the public. You know, you right. can look at all their stuff, and I guess I wasn't entirely aware of that. But they kind of addressed that, and it's yeah. kind of cool about a government agency. Because by the way, there's all these wackos that think that like NASA is hiding stuff and
2: right.
0: uh and and NASA is, they're not they would they would suck at that you know
2: they'd love to tell you yeah with yeah, the aliens
0: right right uh <laughs> so they touched on that a bit and, and as i said i did like the idea that JPL was a different entity and there were different kinds of people working there
2: um but I didn't like how, and this is what I'm talking, it's like just too much harmony, like the Asian NASA, like they're just like, all right, well, we lose the thing, but we're going to save him. And in the book, the guy's really bummed about that. And it's like, he's like, oh, we're going to lose our thing, but we'll get to we we'll save the American guy. And it's like, he's he's like bummed like even after they save Wattie, like fucking, ugh, I hate it. And it's just like in the movie. It's just this one scene where, like, see, we're all working together. It's like it is hey,
0: kind of a, a China ex machina, uh, which I'm. Very I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: um, but that, the whole movie's like that. Like every like, there's never any argument except the the like, oh, we shouldn't tell the crew thing. And it's like in the book, there's just way more arguing and bickering, and you get a sense of their exhaustion. And there's like, well, we should do this. I don't know. I just felt it was just <laughs> no, way no, it just drained all the tension out of it. Yeah,
1: one of the things I really really regretted losing was. And this is just a little touch when when Lewis calls the vote, uh, Commander Lewis calls the vote, and then she says uh, i'm going to give you guys until the morning or twenty four hours or whatever she says and and if any of you have any objections, you know send me a private message. it will be anonymous yeah and,
0: yeah
1: I mean that, that's really important not to feel that we're coerced or or you know into Everybody being unanimous about going to get him. I really loved that touch in the book and and it could have been done in such an easy way in the movie.
0: Yeah, it's It's an effective way to have a suspenseful let's do a a secret ballot thing where, you know, you you put in the black rock if you want to do it. You put in the red, you know, they could have done something like that, which I, I feel was important. But instead, everybody had to take turns saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's yeah, it was she
2: should have done a blood test from the thing.
0: Yeah. What would that have revealed, Kelly? Wand, if any of them uh, was infected, right?
2: Yeah, just a yes or no. Uh,
0: let's see. <laughs> Which, who thought? Uh, I like to pretend that this movie is an origin story for how Benedict Wong becomes the astro navigator in Sunshine, and how uh, Matt Damon becomes the teacher in Margaret. <laughs>
1: I like. I want to know what Benedict Wong's weight loss program is. Then,
0: dingus, that's rude.
1: I know. I agree.
0: Uh, by the way, that bit at the end where he's talking to the students and he says, "At some point, everything is going to go south on you." Like he's he's cre- he's instilling in them this idea that it's their troubleshooting that, yeah. that will determine their worth. Is that right? And no, that, that I thought that was so stupid because the plan, plan ahead. Is, exactly. The point is planning. Pre-production. A, planning should avert disaster, not troubleshooting accident. Yeah. You know, he's creating this idea you, you know, Fantastic. you make it safe in advance with multiple redundant systems you plan around it, you don't train astronauts to to know You know that everything's going to go wrong and you're going to have to fix it. Uh, I was well, like, I think he's
1: talking about preparation. I think that's kind of to tomato. He's talking about preparation in a different way. The engineers and everybody who's planning for the mission are going to Plan for all those things, and you have to be able, you have to be prepared for when things go south. No, Dingus is say, say that. Like, no, no,
0: he doesn't say that. He says, at some point, everything is going to go south. Yeah. That's a quote, and I feel that that's, you don't say, no. that's, yeah. not, that's At some point, that's not going to happen. That, that, I, Bad writing. Right. Yeah. That's just, that's me saying, Drew Goddard.
2: That's another thing. It's like, all these movies, they seem to be inserting these fucking like, sitcom-y soapbox messages into movies now all the time, and they're always like really stupid messages, like that one, and then in Hercules, where at the end, Ian McShane's like, <laughs> You can all be Hercules if you just lie about it. So your example for all the time is this movie and Hercules. All, every uh, st- well, Episode you know, 7 is going to end with, You could be a, a Jedi if you beat your Brussels sprouts. Watch. Uh,
0: Hercules was actually my over. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who was your overture? So my
0: over was uh, was uh, was Castaway, and oh, it's a little right, unfair yeah. because I wasn't crazy about Castaway, but but you love
1: Robert Zemeckis.
0: I, I Robert Zemeckis movies, and I, I've seen The Walk four times already. That movie is <laughs> phenomenal. I'm so glad that, that does he, he fall? I'm not going to tell you, but I'm so glad that he okay. wrote this story about a Frenchman doing this tightrope thing. It's outrageous; it could never happen. But man, does it make great drama! You know, for fiction, that was so <laughs> awesome. Don't do not What what I like about Castaway is as an existential crisis movie rather than an adventure, how it is focused just on Tom Hanks, uh, and it really does show the toll that isolation takes on him. And there are different kinds of movies. I had plenty of problems with Castaway, but ultimately as this kind of survival story, I would put Castaway, and again, I'm bracketing kind of closely, uh, above The Martian, in that they're both movies I, I, I enjoyed, uh. But I, I appreciated more Castaway's emphasis on isolation.
2: Uh, the only part of Castaway I consider canon is where Helen Hunt gives him a car.
0: Why does she give him a car
2: at the end? Because they're not because she's married to someone else. Oh, so, so she's, so she's like, hey, "I'll take the ads off that, and I'll give you this car, you and I'll to my husband." Yeah.
0: Right, so you can drive to that crossroads for that final uh, how scene is
1: that? for can- the farmer yeah. from the well, Castaway. Like-
0: well, Dingus, listed, yeah, there's a lot of castaway. It's there's a lot of castaway fan fiction. Dingus. I'm not sure yeah. I'm aware of that.
2: Stephanie Meyer.
0: I want to tell you guys about my under. So my under is an absolutely miserable, horrible, wretched movie. It's a Spanish production from like 2001 or something called Stranded.
2: <laughs> you see these things.
0: Stranded has <laughs> horrible acting. It's got terrible dialogue. The director, she actually cast herself in it, and she is probably the worst actor in a movie that, that – there's only like six people in it, but in a movie that's full of bad actors who have no idea what they're doing. But the cool thing about Stranded is I think the script is actually kind of good as a survival drama uh, because so, – so in, in Stranded, uh, six astronauts go to Mars. One of them stays up in the orbiter. Five or No, six of them. There's seven. One stays in the orbiter. Six of them are going to land on the planet in a little lander. But the lander crashes and kills the commander. So there's five of them stranded on Mars. The guy in the orbiter is just kind of like, well, uh, there's nothing I can do to help you. I'll head back to Earth now. So he has to leave them. uh, And these five people who are stranded in this lander, the script lets them first. Strander. lets them fail it, it lets them suggest dumb ideas it's a lot of them talking about what should we do uh one of them is even like when uh vincent gallo by the way is the, the main actor in this that they cast oh as. god yeah <laughs> he's such a tool by the way that guy's so yeah uh so, But he's the guy that is basically telling them – he's supposed to be like the engineer who's the smartest of them.
2: I kind of remember this movie now. You're making me remember it.
0: Fuck. It's, it's kind of awesome in certain ways. But he's basically – throughout the movie, he's like, you know what? There's nothing we can do. No, don't even try. We're just going to die here. Shut up with your stupid ideas. There's nothing we can do. Like That's his whole approach. Uh, one guy There's suggests, nothing we can do. One guy suggests – because they're low on energy – uh, and that's what's ultimately going to kill them. They have to wait two years before the rescue party can get there. One guy is like, well, you know what? There, we can build a windmill. And Vincent Gallo not
1: a thing. is like, what? It's not a thing.
0: Yeah, they, well, that's what Vincent Gallo, he's like, there's not enough atmosphere. I've already thought of that. You're an idiot. No. Uh, so through it all, he's basically telling people there's nothing we can do. We're just going to die. Uh, so in this movie, they have to deal with the fact that if they want to get rescued in two years, they don't have enough energy, basically oxygen. Uh, to <laughs> sustain them. They don't have an oxygenator, by the way. Right. Um, it won't sustain them all, five of them, for two years. However, Vincent Gallo figures out it will sustain two of us. Mm. So three of us basically have to die. Not cannibalism. What, their approach is the three of them that get picked are just going to put on their spacesuits and go walk out until the spacesuit runs out of air. And basically, let themselves so, get killed. Uh, so, uh, is this after Sunshine? No, no, this predate Sunshine. And by oh, the way, that's a great moment in Sunshine where Chris yeah. Evans—you know—they have a similar dilemma, uh, and Chris Evans is going to do that. But Benedict Wong music. takes responsibility. According, uh, that's how Chris Evans says it and takes care of it for him. But that's a great moment in Sunshine. Uh, but no, in this, they put on their spacesuits and they're just going to wander out. So here's my favorite part of Stranded. Uh, <laughs> Vincent Gallo is such a tool, so they decide you know, who are the three that are going to go out and die, who are the two that are going to live. It depends on their role on the mission. So the pilot, for instance, they're not going to need her anymore. The, the astrophysicist navigator guy, they're not going to need him anymore. Uh, and the geologist, they don't need him anymore. What right. they need is the doctor and, surprise, surprise, Vincent Gallo, who is the engineer who can keep the, the little lander running. He can troubleshoot problems. So he's basically like, only two of us can live, and yeah, I'm one of them, and this other chick, the doctor, she's the other one. So
2: oh.
0: um, I'll help you suit up. Uh, you go, and and there's a scene where they're, you know, they're getting on their uh, their their spacesuits, and and one of the guys, he's got his spacesuit on, and he's putting these oxygen canisters in his backpack. And Vincent Gallo's like, whoa, whoa, what? Do you really need to take those? And he's like, yeah, I want to live as long as I can. And Vincent Gallo's like, what do, you, what do you need it for? You know, don't take the extra oxygen. Just go out with your one little can. Uh, so he's such a tool. So they leave. And here's another cool thing the movie does. As I said, it lets things fail. These plans don't work. After they've left, and they're just going to walk as far as they can and die. And Vincent Gallo even calls them. And he's like, hey, you know what, guys? While you're out there, why don't you just run your video cameras so we can have footage of Mars? You know, so what? Just look at stuff. Run your video cameras. What a prick! And I can record the stuff here for posterity, and maybe scientists can use it after we get rescued. Yeah, he's totally a dick. So they leave. He's got enough oxygen now for him and the lady doctor to live for two years. Shortly after they leave, an alarm goes off, and he's like, "Oh man, there's a leak, and we've only got now. I I've failed. There's only now enough oxygen. We're just going to live for a, a matter of hours. This is it."
2: A shitty engineers, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the lady doctor is like, "Well, can't we plug the leak?" And he's like, "Nope, we've already lost too much oxygen." Again, he's just like, "There's nothing we can do." So he suggests, knowing <sighs> that they've only got a matter of hours to live, he basically he says to her, a "Quote, you know what? We're going to die. Why don't we just come yeah? Why don't we just come together and make each other feel good?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's not gonna. He must be able... okay.
0: Yeah, and, and when she says no. His, resp- his response is, that is so uptight.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, I want to watch this now.
0: It is really hilarious. Uh, so he's not
2: acting. He's just playing. It,
0: he's playing himself. Like, what if Vincent Gallo was your your, yeah. your engineer? Yeah. He's
2: playing his Buffalo 66 character.
0: And, and you know what? I give the guy a lot of credit for writing and, and directing Buffalo 66. I, I love that movie. Uh, and it, he knows he's a tool in that. Um, but Stranded, it really is awful. But I kind of like this idea that uh that plans will fail people are gonna die it's gonna be futile uh the ending by the way totally wimps out
2: um whoa yeah just give it away just give it away uh
0: so the people that go out uh to they discover alien ruins that have oxygen in them
2: Ah, fuck that shit
0: they call vincent gallo back and they're like hey we found oxygen come out and meet us
1: they shouldn't have told them so
0: they find find this total recall yeah, well, they find it's the aliens have, like, terraformed a little patch with, like, water and oxygen, and they're going to wait there. Oh,
2: my fucking God. Yeah. Wait, it's called stranded.
0: Well, they're, wow. still, they're still stranded. They just have oxygen and water now.
2: This really puts the Martian in perspective for me. Well, it's... It's, it's, I think it's,
0: it's definitely my under, uh, but I do like some of the things the script does. And I like how just stupid... I, I like how wretched Vincent Gallo is. Kind of
2: how do the ruins name. look?
0: Terrible. It's just, like, one hallway... Uh, and they, they find like little remains of the aliens who were there. And
2: yeah. I can't believe I had to ask you to tell me this. Like you are going to leave that. Like and then something happens. Anything whips out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, Tom. What is it? Okay. Alien ruins.
0: What? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah.
2: That's whipping out. All
0: right. That's so, Sally, what was your over? You mentioned it earlier. What did you? All is lost. Right.
2: All is lost is so my over.
0: What is your under?
2: My under. Wait, didn't Robert Altman direct a space catastrophe movie that no one's seen? Man,
0: I don't think so, did he? I
2: don't know, and there's a Jerry Lewis one too with like a similar title.
0: Well, that I believe, but I didn't I wasn't aware that Robert Altman did a space movie
2: in the 60s. Yeah, it was Nashville.
0: <laughs> Nashville Mars, right.
2: My under and I Wait, we didn't do Dingus's, did we?
0: Nope, we'll get to it. Should we do Dingus's first, Kellywand?
2: Yeah, because then I I might have something about relationships.
0: Interesting. So Dingus, your over was also All is Lost, and you, unlike Kelly are bracketing it, we all loved All is Lost, so obviously you're by putting uh, The Martian under All is Lost, that's kind of high praise considering you're bracketing it, right?
1: Right, because uh, what I was thinking of when I was uh, doing the bracketing, I I was trying to think of, uh, you know, I did the obvious first, space movies, then I thought of stranded movies, but what... um, what I really started to think about when I thought about what I loved about, uh, the Martian and what I loved about all is lost, which, uh, I started thinking about, uh, immediately was, um, one of the things I love about all is lost is how competent the character is yeah. and how he knows he seems to snap into his training right away. One of the wonderful things about watching all is lost is how competent that guy is, even when he fails. um, And that's one of the things I love about Mark Watney in in The Martian, is how competent that guy is. Even when he fails, he figures out a way to get through it. Um, And I think one of the things I love about the script, and I said this earlier, is that it allows me as a reader to fill in the gaps. But I think it still is forgiving of people who might never read the book uh so all of the calculations he's doing about calories how much calorie how many calories are, am i going to need what is that all going to figure out to how many potatoes does that actually mean what what is going to be the shortfall um and all of the other ways that he is a competent survivor uh so that's why all is lost is just above the martian uh, as far as competency is concerned and right below it would be
0: Wait, hold on i want to point out uh so I, I presume you guys thought of this one of the things that I, I think definitely puts all is lost above the Martian is it gets a lot of a lot more bang for its buck out of its f-bomb
2: yeah
1: yeah that's a good point
0: that, that that fuck and all this loss is awesome, and they're just kind of scattered around, and in, uh, in, they're, they're, they're way more playful in The
1: Martian. Well, no, no, it's not just scattered around in The Martian. I mean, uh, it's very specific the first time he says it. It's just not the way that it's said in the book. I mean,
0: no, no, but, but one of but the saying, joys
1: about the book is that first page when he says, I'm pretty much fucked. I mean, uh, that's the first line of the book. I'm pretty much fucked.
0: Right, but in and, the movie,
1: we get two vocal fucks. We get right. two...
0: Uh, you see him mouthing the F-bomb, and we get one, which this is way too precious for me, one bit where uh, the, the president is talking to Jeff Daniels about Mark Watney cursing, where, where apparently Mark Watney is cursing too much in his chat messages. Oh and God. so the president is saying to Jeff Daniels – they play it as – I, mean, I shouldn't hold that against the movie, but, but I'm just really? – the F-bombs in The Martian are way more playful than the F-bomb in uh, uh, All is Lost.
2: So, Rating system, awesome.
1: But so is the dialogue. I mean, the dialogue in All is right. Lost is far more precious as well.
0: Wait, it's um, more precious? No, I mean precious in a bad way, like twee. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. no, I mean uh, far more dear, I guess. That would be the better way to put it. <laughs> dear, my, it just there's, there's no way we're going to spend that much dialogue.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, All is Lost is be- definitely uh, like, sparsely. There, there's very spare talking. I mean, he's alone, and he doesn't. they don't do any convenient... Like he, like voiceover, for instance, in All Is Lost, All Is Lost is so careful with like its silence and its sound design. Right, the voiceover is the
1: letter. He's not doing a constant
0: journal. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and so I'm just saying the F bombs in The Martian are kind of played for uh, comedic.
1: The PG 13. <laughs> but well, I think that's also that's also again weak. something that's that's meant for the people who've read the book and appreciate all of that as a part of journaling I mean you can write fuck as many as many times as you want in a journal it's not going to be rated but they have to make money with this movie and so they're playing with it so like the, the uh, here's the here's the F word in German and this is the F word in polish this is okay now he said this and um, he's he, he keeps telling them what do you mean grudgingly well he keeps telling them to go have sex with themselves every time they ah, a third question anything that's right. he says yep yeah. that's right got right um, some <laughs> So my under as far as uh, competency is concerned is a movie called The Edge, um, which Mm -hmm. I really love because – uh but for a different reason because it's a surprising amount of competency because the rich dude knows how to survive in the wild and you don't expect that to happen and that's one of those great lines that um Baldwin's Baldwin's character says i love seeing uh you rich people when you get out in a situation situation like this you bloom uh and i i love the way that um that um she's I'm blanking on his name now Hamlet. Anthony Hopkins. and Thank you. Anthony Hopkins' character has all of these, all of this knowledge about how to be competent in the wild. Um, and uh, well, I really, really like The Edge, I would put it under the
0: motion. Huh, I wonder who wrote that, Dingus. Uh,
1: it could have been David Mamet, yeah. I think is the way it's pronounced. Yeah, so.
0: uh, all right, so Kelly Wand, you're over is also all is lost. You are obviously copying from Dingus's homework. Is your under the edge, Kelly Wand?
2: No, my under swept away with Madonna and a Spanish dude.
0: Oh, my God.
2: She's stuck on an island. just had sex with a guy. Isn't that
0: a, a By the way, that's a remake of an Italian movie that, if I'm not mistaken, is far more graphic, isn't it?
2: I don't know. There's an Italian movie?
0: The Italians make a lot
2: of movies, Kelly Wand,
0: yeah. <clears throat> uh, all right, so uh, swept away is your under. And uh, Kelly Wand, did you have – so uh, in watching The Martian, what did it teach you about relationships among human beings, Kelly Wand?
2: I put tape over your crack, white man! One, two, three, not only you let me go on 80 degrees when I'm calling.
0: tape. One, two, three, eat a pun every day.
2: Shut up. everybody
0: else. I confess I didn't understand that one, Taiwan.
2: Tape over the spaceship crack. Right. You know
1: I, know I, I, I thought it was over the uh, the helmet crack. I thought it was thought a, a reference to Breakfast
2: I, Club. I, I thought everyone was talking about butt crack. Yeah, well, the double entendre. Right. Double entendre. You know what? The they, Martian fucked up a lot of good shit. He fucked up the A joke, and it fucked up the "you're fucked" joke. Drew Goddard sucks. Thanks for reminding. Me.
0: Well, I, I will say. Thinking of fucked up. Thing, I, well, I, I do want to say one thing that I came away from The Martian with is uh, Drew Goddard. Uh, directed Cabin in the Woods, which is brilliant, and he co-wrote yeah. it with Joss Whedon. I sort of feel after seeing The Martian uh, that Joss Whedon did a Just lot more brains. work on it than I might have realized. Yeah. Uh,
2: which one wrote Avengers too? True uh, guy. Uh,
0: everyone, <laughs> don't bring that up. Yeah.
2: See. All
0: right, everyone. What What is it Let me Let me interrupt you and ask. What is this week's three by three?
2: Oh, I see you did there. I like you. This week's three x three is uh, coitus interruptus I think three can you Pronounce of, it and
1: can you define it?
2: It's when you're fucking and something goes south on you, so you got to troubleshoot.
1: Well, not so much.
0: Uh, well, uh, well I parts. What? So I,
2: questions about. I, I didn't
0: realize, by the way. So I think you're going to steal one of my picks because I didn't realize you'd seen a movie that I think is a fine example of coitus interruptus. So. I'm guessing we'll get to that sooner or later. You get
2: to go first, so in a way, you I gave it to you. Oh
0: right, I'm introducing next week's two by three. So Dingus, did you? Well, uh, when we get to Dingus as well. So for me, coziest interrupt is just people are having sex and they get interrupted uh yes, right. that,
1: that's the popular understanding of it but that's not the definition of it yeah it's, made it's fun it's it. of me last week you're like haha diggis doesn't understand what it means right if you look it up on Wikipedia. That's not opinion, the definition it's a form of, of birth control, but
0: nobody nobody has birth control it's it's you're never going to find
1: that in a movie the withdrawal method uh, well, of is course not. not but that's not what the word uh, what i have always thought that quite as interrupted, was, right, right? you know you're you've, you're interrupted before you can finish. You know, you're, you're you know a sex act it is interrupted. It, right, right. But what the actual definition is pulling out.
0: No, no. It can mean multiple things. If you, if you want to look at how historically it's been used, yes. It's the term
1: for, but birth, a movie.
0: for the way that birth control historically has worked before we right. had things like condoms or birth control pills. Now, coitus interruptus is a, a reference to people having sex, coitus, and they get interrupted. Right. Uh,
2: yeah. Dingus, I wasn't talking about the botanical meat cute.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just talking about uh, what I was like, yeah, I know what this word means and Tom like made fun of haha, Dingus doesn't know what it means. So I just was like on a lark. I was like, all right, I'll look oh, right, no. up the definition.
2: You know what? He is right though,
1: Tom. No, well, he's
0: right, it. Is we did make fun of him. I did wonder last week. He he started to say something and I thought he didn't understand what it meant. Because right. of the
2: way cuz Kelly Kelly But wait, Ray- is that what you meant, Dingus? Is that what what you meant when you when you went
1: Saying when he pronounces it, "coitus interruptus," which is inter- I don't know what you're saying. It's coitus interruptus. It's not, <laughs> not coitus or coitus. I don't know what you're. I doing.
2: like adding. I don't know why I do that. I do coitus. Was,
1: was, was I was questioned, and then I went to look it up, and I went, "Really? It means the pullout method?" Yeah. You know
2: what? I think it's because the I looks like a penis, and the O looks like a vagina, and I want to like it's like foreplay to say them separately, like coitus. Fair enough.
0: And to be fair, we don't actually have any voice recordings of how the ancient Latins spoke. So, who yeah. is to say how it was pronounced in, in
2: history? Plus, maybe that was like the second way they used it was for what Dingus is. In but Dingus system. said it. Did you Did you mean that? Or were you like, wait, what is it? like? Were you being I think he done?
0: was making fun of how you were pronouncing it.
1: I was making fun of the way you were pronouncing it because I don't uh, understand well, what you're saying. Well, um,
0: but we okay. all know, and I hope the readers know this, that it's a, it's a reference to people are having sex, they get interrupted. That's what my three right. are. And right. my, yeah. my third favorite instance of coitus interruptus, uh, I like this because of how many layers there are in it. Uh, in the ice storm, uh, Kevin Klein is having an affair with Sigourney Weaver. They don't live at the same house. Uh, and he will go over to her house after work, and they will have sex. And then he will leave and go back to his wife, Joan Allen. Uh, he's a very sleazy character. Ice Storm is about, uh, a lot of it is about moral bankruptcy Uh, so also both of them have children Uh, Christina Ricci is Kevin Klein's daughter, Elijah Wood is Sigourney Weaver's son so after school one day Christina Ricci and Elijah Wood are down in the den at Elijah Wood's house and I don't understand how this kicks off or why they're doing it this way but she puts on this is a period piece, by the way. She puts on a Nixon mask and starts fooling around with Elijah Wood.
1: <laughs> and, it takes uh, me back.
0: Pants are being undone. It's definitely coitus. And Kevin Klein at that point, and remember, he doesn't live here. He's coming over to have an affair with Sigourney Weaver. At that point, he walks into the house, and he comes downstairs and finds his daughter fooling around with someone else's son, and she's wearing a Nixon mask. Uh so they get busted, and it's only later that he realizes that he's also been busted for coming over to have an affair with Sigourney Weaver. So I just love the randomness of that moment. They play Christina Ricci's character as very uh, sort of sexually confused and acting out throughout the movie.
2: Oh, so it's a double play. It's like a reverse coitus It's
0: a, Like I said, it works on multiple levels. Uh, and I love I – love, like the ice storm is so full of uh, – like, like, it's just really dense with, with moments and interactions and implications, and uh, uh, I, I just... just it's like sex. Uh, so that is my number three favorite coitus interruptus. And
2: The I police know, will not be pulling you over for this one.
0: Thank you, Kelly Wand. I'm glad to know that.
2: We're pulling you out.
0: Oh, dingus, uncool. Uh, oh, cool.
2: See soon. Just like... No, not too uh, soon. We'll never do see? Soon. Everything sounds like sex. It's dingus, weird.
0: just committed onanism on this 3x3. Three <sighs>
2: I think I have Anadonia. Dingus,
0: but... Dingus, what is your third favorite? i just interrupt us in a movie. Here's... By the way, Dingus, real quick, did you do the homework for this 3x3? Uh,
1: unfortunately, I could not as I was staying with my
0: parents. <sighs> uh,
1: but it's all right. I'll, I'll figure it out.
2: You should have watched it with them.
1: Yeah, you will. Yeah.
0: All right, Dingus, what's your number three then? We'll, we'll get to this soon enough.
1: Number three, uh, yeah, you will. Uh, yeah, we can uh, Number three, yeah. here's a quote from it. Her husband works the night shift or something, and he comes home and he catches me on the floor with my cock in his wife's ass.
0: Yeah, Diggis, but what's the quote from the movie?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh. We-
0: oh. Uh, by the way, Diggis, at one point, as soon as Kelly Wan announced this last week, you said, I know Tom and I are going to have one of the same ones. I still have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I also I, – I recognize this line, but I don't know what it's from.
1: Alright, the, the one I'm talking about is, is a runner up because I realized there's no way Tom would pick that and there's a reason why Tom wouldn't pick that because I wouldn't either. Uh, so that's a runner up. We'll, okay. we'll table that discussion or bet okay. it. Um, this is, uh, there's there's three instances of coitus interruptus in this particular movie. The one that this character is referring to is not the one I'm picking. Uh, this is from the movie Sideways. So the actual moment of coitus interruptus is when. After um, after this moment has been interrupted, and he's run off, Miles goes back to the house to get the wallet. Yeah, and he sneaks in the room while the couple are having sex on the bed, grabs the wallet and runs out of the house. And the husband jumps up and runs after him, and chases him out to the car naked. So that is my favorite of the three moments. There's there's the moment that that. He describes her husband works the night shift. There's the moment where Miles walks into the motel room and he's like, not now, not now. <laughs> that is an awesome moment by the way. Yeah. But it isn't really interrupted because he doesn't stop. <laughs> he's, That's he's like, right. It's, yeah. It's, it's quite as continuous, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is quite as inter because he's like, no, not now, no, he waves him off and everything's fine. And just that visual of him bouncing on the bed, uh, it, so that one but the one I really love is Miles sneaking in the room and then the guy stopping what he's doing presumably before ejaculating because that's one of well, the well, ding- points. oh my
0: god Dingus is so clinically graphic Sorry. Yeah.
1: one of the points no of one coitus coitus that. So, is that it happens that. before the ejaculation um so
0: it, well, that, that's when coitus ends Dingus of course it happens before the ejaculation that's
1: not when it ends for me
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you believe this guy what's happening to Dingus
2: I guess he got some it's made him crazy so
0: oh. I will say, Dingus, that is one of... I think every man has that nightmare that you're having sex and Paul Giamatti creeps into the room.
1: (laughs) That just... That'll put any eye off.
2: Nightmare? A dream to some, a nightmare to others.
1: (laughs) Into the spine of the Giamatti. (laughs)
2: All
0: right, Kelly Wan, what is your third favorite instance of coitus interruptus?
2: Uh, I think the most common usage of coitus interruptus in a movie is where... um, it's like someone who's about to be the ex of the main character is having an affair so that the character can find them and having an affair so that he can meet the love interest. Like, oh, he was in a bad relationship with right. Kelly Preston, so now he can meet uh, Reese Witherspoon. Was that a movie? <laughs> anyway, my number three is the 1986 classic Back to School starring Rodney Dangerfield. There's He's married to Adrian Barbeau at the beginning of the movie before he has a love interest with... Uh, a meet-cute love interest with uh, Sally Kellerman as a poetry teacher. But when he walks in on Adrian Barbeau having sex with a guy at the beginning, he's, like, not even bummed. He's, like, uh, yeah, here. And then he, like, gives her some, like, pictures of her and, like, blackmails her. And then he gets out of the divorce or something. So he, like, brought photos to the bedroom with him. Like, he's, like, yeah, I'll probably walk in on her having sex with someone. So it's, like, he... I don't know. I like that kind of foresight. Does any of that make sense?
1: I just like letting you sort of.
2: Drift I like bringing
1: up Adrian Barbeau because I think she's been brought up before in the last few weeks.
0: Uh, I did incorrectly say she did the voiceover to Escape from New York, and I was rightly corrected, which I can hear this in my head now. Nope, it was Jamie Lee Curtis. I was thinking of the wrong John. Carpenter oh. Screen. The wrong John Carpenter scream queen.
2: Yeah. That's so Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, absolutely. It's very son. somber.
0: Uh all right, so back to school. Uh Ronnie did you feel classic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like making Tom say things.
0: Uh here's a co- th- here's here this'll put you off. Uh even worse than Paul Giamatti creeping into the room. How about you're having sex and there's an earthquake? Whoa. Do you
2: guys know like what Paranormal it is? activity?
0: Paranormal activity three. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, in Paranormal Activity 3, it does this weird like nested thing where it starts with something being recorded, found footage, and then a character brings over a bunch of VHS tapes. And somehow, I don't remember how it does the transition, but the rest of the movie is one of the VHS tapes. Uh, And it's not they're shooting with digital video the VHS tape on a screen. It's just the movie jumps into one of the VHS tapes. So this is a recording from back in uh, when Katie Featherstone was like a little girl. So I don't know, the 80s or whatever. And (laughs) her parents, uh, the dad has just gotten a video camera, and this is what's going to be used throughout the movie. And at one point, he's like, hey, let's make a sex tape. And she's like, no way, but they're getting stoned like in Poltergeist. So she's like, okay, we'll do a sex tape. So he puts the camera on the – I don't know, like a table at the front of the bed. And they start fooling around, and you're like, well, this is a found footage movie. I mean – is the camera just going to run, and we're going to see this whole thing? And yeah, they're fooling around, and they're kissing, and clothes start coming undone. And, see like... and no, she's on top of him. And you're like, well, are we going to have a sex scene in Paranormal Activity 3? And no, we're not, because at that point, there's an earthquake.
2: Uh. And
0: there's <sighs> no explanation for this. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't no, mean it means the
2: ghost doesn't anything. want to see the sex scene either.
0: It just means <laughs> we're going to have an earthquake to stop them from having sex. But actually, the purpose of it, if you remember, Kelly Wan, is – they let, rush out of the room and just make sure their daughters are okay because it's an earthquake. Uh, and dust falls from the ceiling and right. it falls like on the ghost or the demon. Right. So you see – you don't really see an outline. You just see the the dust hovering there.
2: And so it doesn't was, mind dust on it.
0: And then later on, that's in the tape. And he's like, hey, there's something that was in the room. And
2: Look at this sex tape.
0: And it sort of sets up the idea later that this ghost can have a sheet draped over it and look creepy, so – so but I just love the idea of an earthquake right. an earthquake interrupting a sex scene. I mean that's it that's a way to write yourself out of a corner by the way.
2: Right. That movie's got a couple good parts. I like the ghost babysitter part too.
0: Hmm, listen to Kelly Wan saying approving things about the catfish directors.
2: Well done. Dude, the last one's about to come out and it's 3D but it's like there's like it's about a video game developer
0: like, oh, are you serious? Ghost, yeah. Ghost Dimension is about a video game developer?
2: Yeah, and it's the last one.
0: No, it's not the last one. You really believe this, it, Kelly Wand?
2: Yeah, even if it makes a billion dollars. No, it's not the last, yeah, sure. By the way, Tom, yeah. if, if there was an earthquake while I was having sex, I probably wouldn't notice. Kelly Wand,
0: we've already had the three
2: months. Br-
0: Britney Spears has already played, I'm afraid, sorry. Oh, uh, Dingus called him on
1: the first paranormal activity where where she won't let him take it. Right.
0: Yeah, there's no. There's Katie, Katie Featherstone will brook none of that nonsense. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Because she hates videotape because it reminds her of demons from her childhood. She, they're going to do things that are illegal in most states. <laughs> is Sandy,
1: yeah. from,
0: Par- Dingus, is that a line from Paranormal Activity? Are you uh, quoting it?
1: Yeah, I, I believe uh, Mika says something like, uh, there are things that we did that were illegal in most states, except Georgia. Or he says something ridiculous.
2: Wow! Wait, So she's his sister? Oh, Kelly Wines, so inappropriate. What else is illegal in most states? What's she's sex- his sister
1: and his ghost.
2: <laughs> That's illegal? <laughs> in most states? <laughs> I don't understand what that means.
0: Well, in that I case, just... let's move on to Dingus's number two right. for his favorite coitus interruptus. Sorry
1: right,
2: right, to me interrupt.
0: Anything.
1: Uh, you think that an earthquake interrupting is a big deal? Yeah. I don't care about uh, this. How about getting interrupted so that the woman pushes you away and then examines her vagina with a lamp?
0: Ooh, <sighs> dingus! That's a good one. But, yeah. uh, I don't. I don't know how that. How I, I. don't. I don't see how you're tying that into the earthquake, but I like your pick. Uh,
1: well, uh, so this is under the skin, um, uh, which. Uh, in spite of Tom's, uh, disbelief, I am actually reading this book. Uh, and I was reading it during my trip, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but See, I remember
2: that moment. years ago, you started it. I what? What'd you say? Didn't you start this book two years ago? Or yeah, a year yeah, I'm ago? I'm a very and...
1: slow reader. I, I fully admit <laughs> that. still
2: had it.
0: Kelly Wan, Dingus, stop listening. Kelly Wan, because I, I was curious like what sort of progress he would make, I took post-it notes and wrote little nonsense prose like in the book, and I put it at different pages in the book, and Dingus still hasn't gotten to one of those pages yet because so I'm pretty sure he would have said something. All right, Dingus, you can start listening again.
1: So I'm at page uh, three right now, and I've been reading it for two years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was really thinking about this topic, and I remember that moment where she suddenly pushes, because I was kind of thinking of, it's not just, it's, I was thinking of an external force, uh, stopping, or, or an extra person stopping the, uh, the, the act, not just somebody saying no. Um, and because of the nature of her character, I decided that there, that there's more than one character involved in this. Uh, I mean, not just his character and her character, but what, el- what else is going on. One of the fascinating things about reading Under the Skin is the way that the, the writer is introducing who her character is. I-, I think it has nothing to do with the movie, by the way. Uh, you have to, when you're reading Under the Skin, you really have to kind of move your mind away from what's going on in the movie. Because what Jonathan Glazer's doing in the movie is completely other, and it's utterly brilliant. Uh, but I like the things that the guy is doing in this book as well. Jonathan
0: Glazer agrees with me that, uh, when you're making a movie, it just, just fuck the source material. Forget yeah. Just do your movie. Source yeah, material is source material.
1: Yeah. And I think he really did just, just take tweezers and go, I like this part about the character. Yeah. I like this idea about the setting. I like this idea about the guy who works with her. Um, and then, you know, the rest is chaff. I, I really don't think he cares any anything about that. But as a reading exercise, is really interesting. All of that aside, uh, that moment where she stops their sexual encounter in order to because she's so confused and uh, I, I guess kind of disgusted in that moment, um, she has to look down to see well, what is he doing down there. Uh, I love that bit of Quiddus Interruptus.
0: Kelly, one, what do you got to tops that?
2: Are the aliens in the book called The Chaff? My number two, Coitis Interruptus, is the movie Caveman. This I know it's a little rapey, but um, he makes like some fruit with uh, sleep drugs in it to have sex with Barbara Bach. <clears throat> but she's married to John Matusak, so um, he tries to have sex with her while she's asleep, but John Matusak farts on him. So it knocks him over And then he gets back in But they trick him by rolling over So he just has sex with the rock for a second And then he gets depressed And then he just like gets bored and falls asleep So like the coitus interruptus Is just like him getting bored
0: Dingus aren't you glad you guys watched that For one of the mini movie club palooza things I
1: can't okay. I, I can't tell you how And I really love especially Elton John's It's a little bit rapey song
0: Oh, Dingus. (laughs) You made something terrible that was nice.
2: Yeah. It's like Uh, we did a body switch movie with me and Dingus.
0: Oh, I would so
1: love to see it. What what were we peeing into, Kelly?
0: (laughs) You you can't make that joke until you've actually seen all of the change-up, and not just the parts that I've showed you. You have to watch the whole movie.
2: I've only seen the power Leslie man hits him with a pipe a bunch of times for body switching. That's no pipe.
0: It's a, it's a rolled up architecture thing. It's not a pipe, Kelly Wand,
2: or wrapping paper.
0: Pipe. I think she's an architect in that movie. There's a there's a point in. Uh, Did uh, she make the statue? There's a point in the movie at close range, which uh, wow, well, is,
2: Penn? is uh,
0: yeah, like Sean Penn, uh, Christopher Walken is his dad, and he's got a, a, a sort of a posse of like low life criminals. Uh, I think this is at close range. It might be Repo Man. But Tracy Miller, I think is the guy's name. He's his character actor, and at one point, uh, they're making Tracy Walter. Tracy Walter, thank yeah,
2: you. Tracy Walter. They're they're
0: making fun That's of him for something uh, apparently, like a woman that he had sex with, and we come into the scene while they're making fun of him, and his defense is, "But she was an architect." Mm. I, I, so I just hear Tracy Walter saying, "But she was an architect."
2: Uh, Wait, in response to what?
0: We don't know. They're just ripping him about some woman, and the the scene starts up, and you just hear her saying, but she was an architect. So I think of Leslie Mann as an architect in The Change-Up. Maybe he was talking about Leslie Mann. We don't know.
2: Wait, how... You saw that movie 30 years ago, and you thought that...
0: Uh, I actually rewatched that close range uh, maybe a couple
2: years ago. I remember really liking it.
0: Yeah, uh, it's way 80s. Uh, I'm not as fond of it as I was when I was a kid, but it's got, got an amazing cast, like, you know, David Strathairn is in it, Crispin Glover, super young Kiefer Sutherland, uh, and
2: there's some good stuff in it, yeah.
0: But, Kelly Wand, I'd like to tell you now about my favorite instance <laughs> of coitus interruptus in a movie. Uh,
2: your second one or your first one? My
0: second one was Paranormal Activity 3.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, that's right.
0: My totally. number one choice, and Dingus, you didn't do your
2: homework. Ah, uh, so bombs.
0: And I didn't realize, Kelly Wand, that you picked this because you yeah. had seen the movie.
2: My number one, too.
0: So, uh, so, Dingus, I'm sorry, listeners, if you haven't seen the overnight, we can't really talk about it without spoiling it. Let's so see it. You might want to fast forward like 10 minutes. Yeah. Just go
2: watch I, it and then come back.
0: Which is completely what I told you, Kelly Wand. I, uh, so what what did you think of it? Like was it? I loved it. Yeah, it's so
2: weird. It? It's a, yeah, and it's a great scene, and it's a great. The whole movie is awesome.
0: So it's the guy, of course, wow. that see the continuity that did Creep with Mark Duplass, where he, Patrick Price himself, who was the director, and Mark Duplass just played out this like weird, creepy relationship in a found footage movie. So he then makes this movie about a relationship between two couples who have just met each other, and. It's one night. You know, it does that thing you love, Kelly Wan, where all the action is. Yeah. Actually, not all of it, but mo- it takes place almost entirely over this one night.
2: Enough uh, to count.
0: Enough to count. Right. And the bookends for this movie are coitus interruptuses. Uh, mm. And that first scene, I, I just love that it shows that Adam Scott and his wife. Sort of. Oh, I forgot who played her. Better go or- no, I really liked her though. Uh, I want to say something like Tracy Shipper. Uh, that's not right. Uh, but at any rate, it shows like how kind of weird and different their sex life is. And then the kids burst in and the rest of the movie happens. But my favorite coitus interruptus is, is the very end of The Overnight.
2: Uh, I don't want to ruin it for Dingus. So he
0: he knew what his homework yeah. was.
1: i I made my bed now
2: I won't lie on it. Uh, it's too good
0: and and the moment which i I mean what's happening at the end of the movie I mean where the movie ends up uh it, it's happening in this haze of of <laughs> intoxication of self doubt of resentment uh and these, are, and these are all the absolute wrong reasons to have sex. Uh, but it is going to happen, and what and what Patrick Bryce does in this scene, it's this weirdly erotic but simultaneously uncomfortable drawn out scene that gets weirder and goes to stranger places the longer it goes on, and it keeps going on yeah. and just as everyone in the scene has completely abandoned him or herself to the moment, you know, no matter how unwise or poorly thought out this is just. As they have succumbed entirely, they are saved by their children. Uh, <laughs> and it's just a wonderful moment in a weird, weird movie. Uh, and I love that coitus interruptus. I mean it's the it's the big payoff, and it, the movie is totally going up to that point uh, that their children come in and save them. Uh, and it's awkward and funny and erotic, and I just can't yeah. believe this was Perfect. yeah you,
1: you, You're yeah. making me think of Hump Day.
0: It, it, well, there's, there's a lot of—I mean, there's some similarity, yeah. but imagine Hump Day, but but uh, sort of turned up to eleven, kind of. Yeah.
1: yeah. But just how that last scene.
0: Yeah! Yeah! Absolutely! Yeah.
1: Hump
0: it is Day, different. though, is, is kind of played for laughs, like it's humorously uncomfortable. Uh, like the, the eroticism and the uh, just the the strangeness and the the characters deciding to do things, like at the end of Overnight, uh, is very different from anything in Hump
2: Day. Yeah. Uh, definitely see it there's like so much to it that you'll like
0: so tell you one this wasn't one of your three picks then
2: no it was my number one.
0: Oh, it was your number one so we both picked it as, as our yeah, number one yeah
2: for all the reasons you just said basically I don't really have but like just the perfection of it it's just such a great twist slash wrap up slash resolution slash deus ex machina slash it's just totally in character I loved everything about that movie it was my favorite one by the Duplasses I think even
0: well, they uh, – I think Patrick Bryce wrote and directed it. Like, they produced it. They were producers on it. Um,
2: it's like Creep's a hor- – their riff on a horror movie, and this one's a riff on, like, uh, While We're Young. Kind of <laughs> of
0: but, but keep in mind, right, it's not their riff. This is Patrick Bryce. Like, he both wrote and directed Creep and, and Hump Day. Like, the Duplasses right. are definitely on board, and they're obviously big supporters of what he's doing. That I, I wouldn't be surprised if they basically enabled his career.
2: Um, I thought they produced the movie, because it says their names at the beginning.
0: No, no, they definitely produced it, but this is, creatively, this is Patrick Bryce's work, and I, I can't uh, wait okay. to see what else this guy does. I mean,
2: yeah. uh,
0: I wouldn't characterize it as cringe humor, because it's a little weirder and deeper than that, but...
2: Uh, I think I like him more behind the camera, though.
0: Oh, definitely. Like, yeah, yeah.
2: Like, he was p- kind of playing a nebbish in Creep, but... Well, I definitely the, yeah, prefer. Well, the yeah. actors
0: are so strong in *The Overnight*, and especially Adam Scott yeah. and Jason Schwartzman. I mean, the yeah. stuff they're doing is. Uh,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, and Adam Scott too, who can be—I I, I mean, comedically he's a great actor, and I think some people might mistake him then for a lightweight. But you see a movie like *The Vicious Kind* or *The Overnight*, where he's not just playing a more lightweight comedic role, where there's some weight to what he's doing, uh, and you really appreciate—you know—this this guy is really good.
2: You think you're watching Trainwreck at a certain point, up to a right, certain point right. of uh, the overnight, and then you're like, and then it just totally transcends everything.
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
2: It's great, Dingus, Watch it; you'll love it. <laughs> it's a good date movie.
0: I kind of felt like it wasn't for Bingus. Like I I, to see it. I don't know. You think it's for Dingus? No. I, I know he'll like it, but I mainly wanted you to see it.
2: Uh, no, no, I and I I was super grateful. Like I couldn't wait to I just picked the topic just so I could hear it, so we could talk about it, but I was hoping Dingus would have seen it. It's super for Dingus. Come on. You always okay. said Dingus short. You
0: know what? Fair enough. Dingus sees it
2: Overnight. Yeah. If I'm if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I feel like Dingus because he likes all those other ones. He liked Hump Day and but the Well uh, the thing
0: is I, I feel like Dingus' movie Watching Time is like they're, I think there are probably about like I need Dingus to see Z for Zachariah before he sees the overnight and he's never gonna get around to that. He's busy like rewatching Seinfeld or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point please, where
0: where Adam Scott really shines
1: what is your favorite instance of Coitus Interruptus alright I'm sorry to bring the room down because this is a really sad one Um, but this is uh, I I kind of barely remember this movie except for this particular moment and this moment has stuck with me and I, I don't really particularly I don't remember particularly liking this movie a whole lot And I'm pretty sure it's probably a really good movie, but when I saw it, and it came out in '92, uh, um, it didn't do a lot for me. And this moment kind of annoyed me. Um, it seemed a little uh, pat, I don't know. But it, but this image has stuck with me for so many years that I, that the moment Kelly talked about this topic, I can't help but remember this movie. The the quote that. Uh, is, the, I think, probably one of the famous quotes from the movie, and for certainly the one I remember is, I can't see past you. And uh, the movie is a movie called Damage, um, which might, you know, some people would pronounce Damage because uh, it was directed by Louis Malle. Um, and it's a Jeremy Irons, Julia Binoche movie where Jeremy Irons plays a Parliament dude who falls in love with his son's fiance, And he has an affair with her. And he is more or less caught having this affair by her mother when they go out to lunch. In one of these moments, where the the mother later says, "I noticed you never looked at her. Uh, cut it out. This is her one chance to have happiness. Stop it." And he agrees to do that, and then he can't. Do you remember uh, who plays Hardingus? Who plays the Your mother? mother? I, I actually I actually don't. Okay. Um. Uh. And then Juliette Binoche's character, who is the the fiancee, uh, gets a, a, you know, she moves in with the son, whose, whose name I think is Martine, um, uh, moves in with him and then she gets an extra apartment in this building that's being renovated just so she can have trysts with, with her fiance's father. Um, and the, the moment that I'm talking about of Quetus interruptus is when, um, when he by chance finds them in this apartment uh that she has rented and they're in you know in flagrant delicto um he walks in he walks in he knows what he's walking into i think he hears the the noises coming through the door he opens the door and he sees his father having sex with his fiance and he slowly backs up away from them she finally turns and sees him and then pushes Jeffrey, uh jeremy irons off of her so that he sees his son as well he backs up there on the high floor of the building and he falls over the railing in one of those, you know, buildings that has the spiral staircase that you can fall straight down all the way to the floor on and the son dies. And Jeremy Irons jumps up out of bed and runs down naked all the way down these flights of stairs to cradle his dead son, just smearing the blood all over him. And that moment in, in damage, um, as soon as Kelly one brought this up, uh, it struck me as that horrible moment, that absolutely horrible moment when two lovers know they shouldn't be doing what they're doing, and they know they're going to be caught, and they are still too reckless to stop. Um, uh, so that's that's mine. I think yours is more fun, uh, but there's mine. I guess if we're going to spoil overnight, you can spoil damage. Yeah, well, it's from 1992, so I think I'm, I'm well within the statute of limitations. What is the statute of limitations? Two days.
0: <laughs> uh, I love Damage. Damage is like one of those like early, uh, although I would put it in the same category. I think this is a movie you hate? Like, it's got a sort of it's Louie Maul, but it's got this sort of Bernardo Bertolucci quality to it, uh, and like the same part of me that likes uh, the Sheltering Sky, which oh. has a lot of awkward sexuality stuff in it. Uh, you know, I, I really like Damage as well. It's a great Jeremy Irons performance too. It's it's phenomenal. He's phenomenal in it. Why do you not like it? Like why why do you recall not? I, you know what? Maybe I, I think
1: I, I think at the time, quite frankly, Tom, I was too sexually repressed to like it.
0: <laughs> well, it is it is a like a, a movie about sexual obsession. I'm not I kidding. Mean, I know, I know. It is a movie about sexual obsession, and um, uh, yeah. And if that's not, and that that's the same with something like Sheltering Sky in a
1: way. Uh, so, and I didn't get Sheltering Sky either at first. Um, I, I mean, it's not that I don't recognize that the movie is well made it's just that I had a hard time accepting it right. and that moment that moment of of that that the, the look on that son's face as he backs up and this is a new apartment so he's not going to know this isn't an environment he knows and so falling over the railing isn't a cliche but I think I found excuses not to like it
0: right. all right dingus thanks for bringing the room down Kelly Wan, right. do you think the listeners are gonna uh, have anything fun for us to cheer us up
2: Let's find out. It's all dudes. Sausage Fest. I guess i lose lose uh, us all our females. Paul Weimer writes, number three in Star Trek. <laughs> wow. I know. <laughs> You're... Listeners, right? Paul Weimer, writes, In Star Trek: The 2009 Reboot, we're introduced to Uhura by means of her coming into her academy dorm room to find Kurt getting it on with her green-skinned Orion roommate. It's a nod to the original series where a woman's skin color never stopped Captain Kirk from the pursuit of happiness in bed with her. <laughs> I thought the green skin was like a plus, like that wasn't really even a a stop thing. But it
0: was uh, what, what, in that what movie is this from? I'm going to be honest with you. I forgot you were there.
2: Oh, uh... Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah.
0: Wasn't she green-skinned, too? Yes!
2: Yeah. Oh. See, that's funnier than that.
0: All right, Paul okay. Weimer, you're, you're... Well, well, that wasn't a, a coitus interruptus. He... True. It was a post-coital, uh... Forgetting she was there. Yeah.
2: But still, yeah. Weemer, please. Remember <laughs> next time, uh... Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, when I pick this topic. Number two. This will make you feel better, Tom. That's not what just happened. (laughs) In The Secret to My Success, Michael J. Fox's character, having sex with his new older lover, uh, it's his aunt, actually. Uh, I remember that, unfortunately. Is surprised by the arrival of his uncle on the scene. The character's not aware until that moment that they're actually aunt and nephew. Uh, I guess I ruined the writing there. (laughs) But you see what I was trying to say. So come on, Weimer, stop doing that. All right, that's two. Now you've done something wrong. Number one, in "Shoot 'Em Up," Cliff Owen and Monica Bellucci's lovemaking scene is interrupted by Paul Giamatti's assassins bursting in on them. The two continue to hold on to each other as Owen shoots each and every one of them in a number of rather contorted body positions. An over-the-top scene in an over-the-top movie. Best regards and thanks as always. That Paul. makes me
0: think of a uh, Nicholas Cage and is it "Drive Angry" where he's got yeah. the
1: waitress? Yeah
0: he was was
1: one I had early on, but I don't know if he finished or not. Well, he's no,
0: he's I, not gonna. Yeah, he's not gonna allow a gunfight to interrupt it. He continues on. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's compliment with an e, complimentary. But that's the thing: is like you're trying to shoot, but not that one. <laughs> yeah. mm. Arthur Javan and Jelly, right? It's number three. Moonraker. MI6 regains audio-visual to the shuttle just in time to interrupt James Bond's attempt at re-entry. Oh. Uh, in view to a kill, isn't Q watching on a robot? And then they throw underwear on his head. I think it's named Amy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the one for Moonraker, because that's the space one. Huh, Red, Tom? Red Moonraker. Number two, Atonement. <laughs> I think kind of like Atonement. I don't remember. I feel, I feel like I'm the only Kieran Knightley that, apologist. That's the director of Pan. Yeah. Joe Wright. Oh. Poor Joe Wright. Just can't get it right. Kieran Knightley and James McAvoy are up against a wall when they get caught in the act by Sh- Seershay Ronan. Did they say Searshae right? It's it's pronounced chew Number one, shoot him up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that would be the this picks one. Clive Owen is engaged in carnal embrace with Monica Bellucci when they're interrupted by a group of henchmen that Owen must dispatch. What's amusing about the scene is that Owen and Bellucci continue to have sex throughout the entire fight. Right, so it's not Interruptus. Right. You know what? I'm pulling you over, and I'm pulling over Weimer. Nice. So Weemer, you just got a hat trick. Three things wrong with every one of your picks. One thing wrong. Look, I'll be in charge of the math. Stop talking back. Get in the paddy wagon.
0: Awesome. I love when
2: Kelly Wanda cracks down. Ah, Weimer's just out of control. Simon Esders writes, Hey, guys, short and somewhat late one this time. Aliens. Hicks and the other Marines totally ovipositor block the lone face <laughs> of oh, Jeez. Come on, that's a good one. That's creative. Sucked on Ripley and Newt by WayU's Chief Slimebag Officer CSO Burke. Totally not cool, bro. Have a good one, Simon Ester's. Come on, that's he put some thought into that. I support you, Simon Esders. Weimer, you can learn a thing or two. <laughs> Damn it. Grant Stewart writes, hope I made the deadline, guys. Just one pick again for me this week. I'm going to go with Monsters. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> a good one. Scoop McNary thing.
2: So I didn't like think of that. I was thinking I of Charlize think think Theron. And the
1: yeah. I thought. I wondered if yeah. Godzilla did they get interrupted? Yeah, at the end, right? The monsters. Yeah, yeah. I don't oh, want to do.
0: Oh, I was thinking Scoot McNary and his girlfriend in the movie. So the, the the mon. Oh, right. Okay. Do they get stopped
1: before they can? Well,
0: I don't think so. I think they see through the the processes followed through, isn't it? I would. Think yeah. And we we learn about the monster. I don't know. Is that when the army attacks him? I don't remember. Specifically.
2: Well what I, do- I said I, I, I can't remember either. Who's I,
0: I, want whose pick was this?
2: Grant Stewart.
0: So does Grant tell us about it or he just says monsters and leaves it at that?
2: He just says I don't want to do any spoilers, but if you've oh. seen it, you know what I mean. Okay. Keep up All the right. good work. So we have to remember whether he's right or not.
0: I just I mean there's definitely critics, but I just don't know if there's interrupt
2: us. Interrupt us.
0: Either way, I'm glad he picked that. Kellywan, don't pull him over. Let him let him
2: drive on. Yeah. <laughs> Weemer? See what I'm letting this person off with a warning, so that's your warning, even though you've already been arrested.
0: You can arrest him and warn him. That's allowed.
2: Yeah, yeah. I see. Disparage him straight. Right, right, exactly. I'm going to turn the fire hose on him, and then whoa,
0: whoa, whoa! Hold on, Settle down. You've already arrested him. Don't like that. That's violating his human rights, Kelly Wand.
2: Yeah, but it's the three strikes rule.
0: (laughs) So after three strikes, you can turn the fire hose on (laughs)
2: someone. Yeah, Uh yeah. I'm an American. We have rules. That's the one thing about us I know. Right. Everything else is a little murky from World of Warcraft. Chris Markardson writes, Hey, guys, I tried to make sure that there was coitus going on in the scene, rather than just foreplay when the interruption arrives.
0: Whoa, look how uh, how sassy he is.
2: Canadians. Number three, Fargy... Steve Buscemi's having sex with a prostitute when he's suddenly violently interrupted by Steve Revis. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here! That guy? Remember with his belt? Dingus? Who yanks the prostitute of Bashimi, throws Bashimi across the room. That's the stunt double behind the couch. can do this thing. Kicks the prostitute in the behind, and then goes about laying a beating on Buscemi. The scream that the actress makes as she's yanked off Bashimi is pretty darn funny. Number two, Colors. Wow. Yeah. Didn't think you'd hear that one tonight, did you? The LAPD of – it's Dennis Hopper.
0: Yeah, directing, I believe, right?
2: Yeah, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Sean Penn
0: and Robert Duvall. Yeah, I remember it's got that bit about uh, oh, let's, c- let's walk down there and and fuck some of those cows. Or no, what <laughs> I screwed up the joke. Uh, at any rate, there's a joke that uh, – That Robert Duvall tells Sean Penn, and at the end of the movie, after we've lost Robert Duvall, Sean Penn is telling the joke, and I think part of the point of the scene is you realize – Sean Penn's character is terrible at telling jokes. Yeah. Which I, I just remember being kind of
1: endearing.
2: Hey, let's get a condom stuck on her leg. <laughs> is that
1: uh-huh. <laughs> Well, didn't have to wait long
2: for that. I I
0: I made a note, Kelly Wan, to bring that up early on. Diggus' comment about putting you might as well put a condom on your leg. Oh, I forgot about that. Not
2: like, that's something Matt Damon's character needed to do to make oxygen. He had to reuse the condom.
1: Is colors the one that has homo uh, homocide creeping up? No, that's clockers. Clockers sounds like get colors. get colors and clockers mixed up. Yeah.
0: Well, one is Spike Lee, the other is Dennis Hopper. All right, so
2: There's what's out no there?
0: What's Chris's? Uh, I don't remember the coitus from from colors.
2: Uh, what? Yours? Your guess at it is? Let's go fuck some cows. No. <laughs> <laughs> if I may.
1: That's a with- condom on that's the other leg
2: it. That's there's, what you is a line from colors. No,
0: no. The joke the so joke that Robert tells is there's these two cows up on a hill, or these two <laughs> bulls up on a hill, and they're yeah. looking down at a field of cows. And one of the cows say, or one of the bulls says to the other, let's run down there and fuck a couple of those cows. And the other bull says, No, let's walk down there and fuck all of those cows.
2: Well, yeah. that's a good joke.
0: When Robert Thanks. Duvall tells it, because Robert Duvall so avuncular, yeah. But then when Sean Penn is telling it at the end of the movie
2: – He tells it like you did the first time.
0: Exactly, right? He, he goes, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Let's go fuck some shows, guys. <laughs> yeah, great, Penn. It was like when he made fun of uh, – he got upset about Chris Rock saying Jude Law, his name, basically, at the Oscars. He's like, yeah, all right, guys. Jude Law is cool.
0: Sean Penn isn't really known for his comedic performances, I will say.
2: Except fast times, he's totally known for oh fast. That's
0: right, yeah. I forgot and it. I am Sam. Oh, uh, Dingus. Oh, my God. So, how come Kelly Wand can do uh, Asian jokes, uh, can't do Asian <laughs> jokes?
2: jokes. Gets too retarded.
0: Yeah, Dingus. Oh, my God.
1: Because I didn't do the voice.
0: Boom. All right, I guess he's got you there, Kelly Wand.
2: He didn't do the voice. Oh,
0: my so- God. <laughs> Kelly, what does is, what is Chris say about colors? I'm curious what the moment is because I don't remember. I hate
2: to break all this up since it's so productive and pertinent. But as Chris Markardson, that crazy bastard, writes, the LAPD have tracked a wanted gang member to his girlfriend's house. Robert Duvall and Sean Penn enter the home along with several other officers unnoticed as the would-be fugitive is getting busy with his woman. The police then enter the bedroom. Everyone has a different... Never mind and announce themselves, which causes the gang member to freeze and then try and reach for his pants. What? So this is not getting busy. Like, you're less busy. Because you have to think. Because if you think about it... Never mind. One of the cops thinks the gang member is going for a gun and put several Ah, bullets in the gang members' back, killing him. As it turns out, the gang member wasn't even the one they were looking for. That's a sad one. The sad coitus interruptus. I should have said something about. Huh, Tom?
0: Like, like you weren't going to allow them or something? Yeah,
2: you get pulled over.
0: Well, no, no, you can't just randomly pull. You'd have to pass the law last week. They have to you be fun and light. Night. No, you didn't say that. You can't pull people over for laws you didn't make.
2: What? We do it all the time. It's called profiling. Read a book. Number one, I know that non-consensual coitus is Yucky. Yucky. For some of us. But for my number one pick, I'm choosing Pulp Fiction. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction in a long time, but 19-year-old me thought it was pretty awesome that Butch came back to cause some coitus interruptus with Marcellus Wallace and Zed.
0: Oh, I was thinking, oh my god. Oh, that is a good point. Oh, gross. Chris?
2: Who thinks of that when I'm, you hear the phrase coitus interruptus? They don't go, Chris- oh man, Bruce Willis is breaking up that awesome coitus there. That's coitus Never mind. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't it, ew, Well, I mean, it's Kelly Wander. Are you going to pull him
2: over, or is that allowed? No, I can't, I can't pull over Markinson. Yeah. He's our. patron it. But it's also this so may got be the one best those
1: stickers on for, the back of his car that says he, he Canadian on board. Yeah,
2: Canadian it's
0: on board. <laughs> <laughs> At least he acknowledges that it's a yucky pick, though. So
2: it is. But I thought, oh, it's just Chris Markinson saying that because he's Canadian. It's going to be Canadian yucky, which will be like a uh, cotton ball or something. But rape doesn't count as coitus.
0: Well, he, I mean, I, I do also like that we have some insight into how Chris Markinson talks when he mentions getting busy with his woman in colors.
2: That's not yucky to him.
0: Well, no, that's just how that's, – that's Chris Markinson. That maybe that's in Canada. what they right. talk. That's how they talk about sex is you're getting busy
1: with your woman. Right, like we 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 refer to it as business time.
2: In the, in Fargo, it's having se- Steve Buscemi is having sex with a prostitute when he's violently interrupted. Let's let's analyze Chris Markinson's writing and then pull over Paul Weimer again. All is, right,
0: I he threw <laughs> Paul Weimer in the paddy wagon. Is that it? Are those the reader submissions,
1: Kelly?
2: Wong? That's
0: it. All right, runners up, Dingus. What did you think we were both going to pick? I still don't know.
1: All right. Uh... I, I thought we were both going to pick Superbad because of when they uh, yeah. cock block McLevin, and and then they and then I realized the reason you wouldn't is because it's the it's the worst part of the movie, and then they have this whole. And I, I went back and watched that scene again where it's like we can't cock block him, we have to guide his cock, and I realized it's Seth Rogen, and I don't want to watch these right. two guys talking at all.
0: No, the better one, Dingus, in Superbad is cute little Martha McIsaac when she throws up on Michael Sarah. I don't know if right. they're actually a coitus, but. Uh, no, that—that's
1: the scene I thought of. Uh, right, right,
2: right. It's also digestive. Interrupt us.
1: Um, so, so when you first, when Kelly first mentioned it, uh, I thought, oh well, Tom's going to choose Superbad. I am too, because I thought there's this whole thing in Superman. And then I realized, well, the cops are the worst part. Why would n- either of us choose that? Uh, and the other runner-up I have is, um... hey, wait a minute, isn't Sheltering Sky? Bertolucci?
0: Yeah. I mean Bertolucci's all about like sexual obsession and stuff. Like Last Tango in Paris, Shelter in Sky,
1: that terrible thing The Dreamers with a uh, Oh, know, okay. The yeah. damages Louis. Paul. All right. right, right. Uh, I just got sidetracked totally sidetracked. Uh, anyway, the the other one I have is Way is pre Interruptus pre-interruptus, which doesn't really count. Um, it sounds like the Bush Doctrine applied to coitus. It really is, actually. But it's one of my favorite moments. And it was something that occurred to me this week. Uh, and the the quote is, um, one more date and we would have had a Greek tragedy on our hands. And uh, this is uh, Kevin Kline saying the line in the movie Soap Dish um, because he's about to accidentally have sex with his daughter and he doesn't realize it. And I think it's played by Elizabeth Shue. Um, and he gets interrupted. I think, by uh, Sally Field. But I love the movie Soap Dish so much, I haven't seen it probably in 15, 20 years. Uh, (laughs) uh, Is it
2: good? I don't remember.
1: I remember it being so great. Robert Downey Jr. did Goldberg is actually okay in it. Um, But there's this moment where where he says a few more dates and we would have had a Greek tragedy on our hands. And I just think of that as this weird sort of uh, playful to interrupt us be way before the fact isn't soap is dish Blake Edwards I I, no. I, okay. I do not know I just it remember wishes. having a really warm place in my
2: heart for it
0: Kelly Wand, any runners-up for, for you
2: no I don't believe in interrupting
0: because <laughs> I did have sideways uh, that, that was a good one thing I forgot that there were additional ones and
2: there a good good call
0: all right are you guys ready for next week's three by three Yes. Are we? All right. So it's going to be very simple, but I, there, there are going to be two very important laws applied to this. Oh, good. I want your favorite – favorite might be a bad word because they're probably <laughs> terrible, uh, horrifying, wretched, gross, whatever. Uh, maybe notable is a better word, but you know what we'll go with favorite? Your favorite corpses. <laughs> now – I am taking off the table any movie with the words Weekend and Bernie in the title. What? Kelly Wand, don't make me arrest you next week.
2: Look, I'm not a Weemer, all right?
0: Those two words are in the title. It's off the table.
2: Um, what if...
0: Wait a minute. Hold on. There's another law. That's law one. Law two, no zombies. I don't want anybody writing in saying, oh, uh, you know, Bub from Day of the Dead or something. First of all... Bub is stupid. Like, that's a terrible part of Day of the Dead. But second of all, a reanimated corpse is a zombie. It's not a corpse any longer. So those are the two laws. Kelly Wan, do you have questions? Any movie with the title with the words Weekend and Bernie's in the title, off the table, and no zombies?
2: Hang on. I'm still writing down Bub is stupid. <laughs> Got it. Okay, uh, what was the question?
1: dead bodies before?
2: Do we not? Oh, shit. With worm what? bodies. We didn't have dead bodies. Good I don't board, remember.
0: I oh, because I yikes did we
2: I don't remember yeah well, this topic should have stayed dead
0: oh my god I didn't even look this up I was assuming we never had corpses I mean I
2: don't think we had it I think all right I've, you think we've done dead bodies I and don't not this is a top of have...
0: oh God well the thing is some of my picks oh God I don't know because I I've, I've sort of was pretty... I'm
2: always so in trouble if I didn't look it up
1: first okay we had one called favorite things done with a dead body. But this is your favorite.
0: Yeah, this is is more like the actual corpse. Like, okay, good because I. Right, Right. that's different.
2: Jeez, that was close. What Um, about Gary Marshall in Life After Beth?
0: Gary Marshall,
2: what? Oh, really? Really? Really?
0: (laughs) Really? What about him?
2: He was the
0: dad, right? But what he? What? Well, first of all, that's going to be a zombie, so that's off the table.
2: Just wanted to say Gary Marshall. So what what, what
0: part of no zombies do you
2: not understand? Jerry Marshall. All right. <laughs> he's, he's perfect. He doesn't apply to rules.
0: Now, if you're listening, you might think, oh, I have some ideas.
2: Isn't Let us know what rule.
0: they are. Send your pick of favorite corpses into 3x3 at quarter to com. That's 3x3 at, spell out, quarter com. We'd love to read them on the air next week. Next week, speaking of next week, we will be seeing – and maybe, speaking of corpses, I don't know, we'll be seeing uh, Guillermo mm. del Toro's Crimson Peak. All I know is it's a horror movie. It's Guillermo del Toro. It's about time he's done another horror movie.
2: Uh, and it's none playing of, in Germany.
0: None of this, like, giant robot stuff. Let's let's go back yeah. to its roots. So we'll see Crimson uh, Peak. We will uh, talk about our favorite corpses. Please join us for that. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined this week by Christian... Muronsky. It's Christian Muronsky. It's exactly what I just said. And Kelly Wand.
2: What about mummies? (laughs) La la! Uh, wouldn't Night Fever have been more appropriate to uh, a movie about Mars? No,
1: and I'm not going to turn the beat around.